Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons' frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. XF, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cringe. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. You are listening to your favorite wrestling podcast, along with the captain, the secretly sassy. Rich Krejci. I am the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, a reason and well-explained man, the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist that's heard on BBC Radio, the Kenta Kobashi of sex, and an accurate star raider, Joe Lanza. And this is the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. We have a ton to get to. We've got ROH Final Battle. WWE Tables, Ladders, Chairs, and Stairs. Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Seven new inductees to break down. Tons of other news and notes. Mr. Krejci, how are you? And Merry I'm Christmas. Good. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. Yeah, we're uh, doing this a few days prior to uh, Christmas. I'm glad you, uh, you you took the reins there a little bit because I think you could tell that I was a little low energy. It's been a busy week for me. I've been, and and you, you, Coco, beware it, man. You came in with the high energy, the peaks, the... The, the pants you got the, the the neon pants going the suspenders you're ready to go you're high energy you're ready to go for this week but uh yeah merry christmas to you as well so we can uh um yeah what do we got going on for uh for the christmas holiday are you staying local are you going to new jersey where, where are you going to be at uh no new jersey staying in texas you know just the usual family shit i don't know um this will be uh christmas number two with the lovely Brittany. so um, you know, it's not like I'm just meeting people on, uh, uh on her side of the old hat by now, you know? So, uh, so no, nothing, nothing special. It's just Christmas has a different vibe when you've got, uh, you know, the small children in the I house. I was going to say, yeah, that's a whole different dynamic for you. Cause what was your normal, what, what, what was a Christmas like in the, the, the Joe before kids and now what is it going to be like? post kids because now it's official you know but last year you guys were still you know i think you guys were engaged or at least you know heavily you know it was about to happen you're about to get married but now you're you're official man you're all in there so what what's what's kind of the difference now of what your uh your christmas day is going to be like we got engaged very cliche on christmas eve if you recall oh um, i remember that yeah that's lame as hell but that's all right actually i'm sure it was actually a beautiful lame. moment yeah i'm sure incredibly it was lame. a hallmark moment yeah that's <laughs> what you get that from a hallmark movie that's yeah, terrible like i couldn't think of another gift so i was like i may as well get an engagement ring that'll you is know, that really what it was you of couldn't think of a gift not. you, you, think, gotta... I'm, you oh, think i'm okay. a monster <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I'm doing a bit. Uh, Jeez. Can I answer that? Um, can I answer that or no? Listen, I, I, I did a baby face turn this year. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a monster. Sure, you are a good family man. Yeah. Did you did you explain that in your 17 uh, nicknames? Good family man. I didn't. I didn't have that. Okay, one in there. that's the one I use now because I. Try so to, you know. so I missed the one that you do. Basically, <laughs> I got the other 17, but I missed that one. But it takes on a whole different dynamic with small children in the house. Like when we put the Christmas tree up a couple weeks ago, you know, we did it at night, and then when they woke up in the morning. Uh, I was, you know, I, 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 you know, I sold her on the idea that Santa Claus came in the house and put the tree up overnight. Ah, okay, that's a good call. That's a good one. She bought that too. I couldn't believe it. I mean, she's only three, but you know, she. I'm still surprised that she bought that. You know, you're it's keep like, that up. You, you know that though. You're gonna have to keep that up. Like you cannot now ever because that's gonna. You're just gonna ruin that tree for her now if you ever are just like you know pulling it up from the attic while she's there or whatever. You know, like that. That's got to be your thing now, and that's fine as long as you want to lean into that. But that you can't change now. That's like. At least for a few more years, yeah. the tree's got to come from Santa. It can't come from Joe goes to the garage and gets a tree or whatever. If you're well, you're a real tree guy, I assume, right? You're not a fake tree man. But no, I, I don't know what, what's it like. In, tree all the way. Well, I, I was gonna say in Texas, what, what's the what's the real tree game like? You can get real trees, but I I'm okay. a, I'm, a, I'm a fake tree guy. I hate the real tree. I uh, you're Italian, so that makes sense. I'm sorry, that was rude. That was rude. I shouldn't do that. I don't even understand why why <laughs> why the whole. Why does that make sense? No, no, I'm not offended at all. I'm just curious. I feel like I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I had a few. Uh, every friend that I had that was Italian, they seemed to have like the the gaudiest, tallest, fakest trees possible. Like it was it was very bizarre. There was a weird line there where none of them had real trees, and I was asked, and they were just like, "Oh, well, you know, not in our family." And I was just like, "Oh, all right." But that that happened with like numerous like Italian families that didn't know each other too. So I wasn't sure if that was the thing or not. So I apologize I gotta, if I. Uh, I I'll tell you my problem with the real tree. I don't know if it's an Italian thing necessarily. Uh, my mother was Irish, for God's sake. So it's not like, but anyway, um, the, the problem with the real tree is the needles are just fucking everywhere. Oh, yeah, our house our house has needles from last year's tree. Before, like, I sweep <laughs> yeah. up every time I vacuum, I vacuum up a needle from years worth of trees now at this point. Like, the crevices, because we have like a hardwood floor in our back, and like, there's like this, you know, lining of the floor. Like, there are just every crevice of that has fucking tree. Yeah, they're everywhere. And now there's even, I don't even bother. Like, today, there's a bunch over there. I'm not even going to bother. What's the point? I swept it up yesterday. It looks like I didn't sweep it up. I'm done. I'm not doing it. I'm just enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, so. it's it's you'll eventually be a fake tree guy because you'll get tired of like sweeping up needles. I used to do the real tree, but I mean, well, I have on. a real tree and a fake it's... tree. I, I did it two ways. I got uh, why do you front tree? Well, because our house is kind of like long, if that makes sense. So there's like we have a big front window, and then we kind of have our back room where we all kind of hang out and sit and, and do all that sort of stuff. So in the back room, we got the real tree, and then in the front by the window, we have the fake tree. So Michelle at one point had two real trees, so that uh, I, I've at least oh gotten her down God. to one of them being fake. Well, you know, she's a lot to handle, so she has a lot to handle. <laughs> she works like eighteen-hour shifts, though. She's never in the house. She should just be like, "Listen, I'm the one that's here. I don't want to deal with sweeping up two sets of needles. It's ridiculous, you know." But anyway, that's why uh, Lanza says nay to the real tree. I think they're a pain in the ass, and uh, you know, who knows what kind of insects you're bringing in? You ever think about that? Like uh, I hadn't, but <laughs> now I guess I will. Now so. you are right. Like you, I, I, you never know. You know, you could be bringing in, uh, you know, a, a, an army of ants. You could have the worker ant and the uh, soldier ant, and what else they got? The missile assault ant. You fire never ants. know what's coming. Fire ants all over the place. That'd be real bad. Fire ants. That'd be. Yeah, I got fire ants in the backyard. Hills everywhere. You can't contain them. And then you know, you accidentally step in the thing, and within a fraction of a second, 
there's one million fire ants just pouring out of. Did you ever step in a fire ant hill? I did. Uh, I got very close once when I was in uh, Charleston because obviously there's none around here. There's I don't think there there might be fire ants yeah. around here, but I don't know. I've never encountered them. But uh, one time we were in uh, South Carolina, and I'm just like walking, walking, walking. All of a sudden, Michelle's just like, "Oh God, no!" And I'm like, "What?" And she's like, "Your second like I don't know what they looked like either. I couldn't. It was hard to tell. It just looked like a mound of dirt or whatever." And she's like, "Do not walk any." walk back dive out of the way move away because the second you hit that thing your entire fucking foot is gonna be filled with fire yeah. ants luckily i didn't so that, that's as close as i got and then i looked closer and then you see a bunch of them coming out of there but thankfully yeah i did not actually run into them so yeah they yeah they just pour out like lava just uh you know what looks like millions of them and then all of a sudden they're everywhere it's terrifying i mean if they really banded together they could probably take over the earth you know, i'm really convinced <laughs> of that you know because it's it's you know what and they get on your foot you know you get like 10 or 15 of them things and you feel like, you know, you, they're going to eat your entire, it's very painful. You know, one fire ant, not so bad, but when you got like 10 or 15 of them, just, you know, canvassing around your big toe or your heel or something, you know, it, 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 they're called fire ants for a reason, Rich. It feels like your, uh, your foot is, uh, is on fire, but yeah, two Christmas trees. That's bizarre. What, which one do the gifts go under? Uh, the gifts right now are under the fake tree, mostly because the real tree gets pissed on by the dogs constantly. So, um, yeah, that's the other city. That's yes. probably number two with the real <laughs> right. tree. They don't piss on the fake tree. They fucking love pissing on that real. <laughs> like, you're they gonna love be that real. We brought that thing in. I'm not kidding. Five seconds later, one, my one dog's pissing all over. We're like, "What are you doing, you asshole? Like, how dare you?" And they haven't stopped. Like, I do everything I can. It it, it never stops them. Mm-hmm. They just you live you're gonna, for it. <laughs> you're gonna be a fake tree guy within a matter of. Uh, I give it two years. You're gonna be a fake tree guy. Plus, it's a pain in the ass buying a real tree. Cause are you, do you have to do you like study them before you pick one out and like? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But I kind of enjoy that. Like we go there's a there's a zoo by me that's like a it's like a it's kind of like a community zoo. It's like a very small zoo. It's only got like seven or eight animals or whatever. It's it's like the basic animals. You know what I mean? There's like a bobcat and that's like the big deals. Ooh, we got a bobcat. You know what I mean? Like, but otherwise it's just like a bunch of birds and then a llama and a donkey or whatever. But uh, they uh, they sell the trees and and they're we're, we're about five or so minutes away from them, so it's kind of cool to drive down there and yeah we do like we spend obnoxiously long amount of time studying the trees and the weight density and all this sort of stuff and then the real adventure is getting it on top of our car and we're not very good at like actually tying it to the car so usually we're driving like at like a mile per hour for the next you know it takes like we only live about you know a mile away but it takes us you know 25 minutes to get i gotta ask you a question why are you doing this I mean, just get a fake tree. <laughs> I enjoy that. I enjoy that aspect of it. Stick I, it in I the enjoy garage, that. and you could avoid this entire. Not you don't know what kind of bugs you're bringing in the house. You got your dogs pissing all over the place. There's needles everywhere. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the tree smell. I know some people oh, like see, that. I like the smell. See that that's a game changer right there. If you like the smell, that that's a big deal. So I don't I, want my house. You don't to like smell the smell. Like yes. You know, I I'm just I'm not into it. You know, I want my house to smell like you know. You know what I really like my house to smell like Febreze. I can't get enough of that Febreze scent. <laughs> you are you're you're a serial killer. All these serial killers are like really like the. Are, or how about pine soul? Are you a pine soul? I can't. No, no, smeller? I don't like the smell of the pine of the trees inside. So <laughs> Even that, so thing. like no, like that. nothing like tree related or any sort of. No, yeah, you're you're the, the pine scent is not one that I enjoy, which is why I don't you like, like the, the scent fake of the manufactured tree. Febreze. Like, I guess it kind of smells like laundry or like, you know, dryer sheets. Like you're like a dryer sheet guy. That's, that's oh, what you're kind of looking for there. Smells so good. Like you, I get, I'm a big fan of these, uh, you know, them gimmicks, like the plugins, just stick them in the oh, socket. Yeah. 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 House we smell. have plugins that smell like trees right now. So see, I get the plugins that smell like the Febreze and I got them in every socket in the fucking house. Cause I like walking in the house and just getting 
hit with that Febreze scent. It just it smells fresh. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's it's just a, it's a pleasant odor to walk into your house <laughs> on. You know, I like I like my scents artificial. I don't like this foresty shit. I can't get into that. So, uh, so that's another reason why I prefer, but yeah, I got TLB walking around. She has a air freshener spray can with the pine scent. Like, okay, well here, you know what do you want to? Yeah. And, and you know, we're, we, she's, she's a good woman. So what, what, I don't know if you've seen these yet. Have you seen that? If you go to, uh, go to any store, any store, that has got like a Christmas section. Have you seen these things that they're, they're these fake sticks that smell like trees. They smell like Christmas trees. Basically, they're, they're these little green sticks that you could, they have hooks and you can put them on your fake tree and then your fake tree will smell like a real tree. If you want to go that extra step, but I you you don't because you don't want that smell. I'm not so. telling her that. I don't like that smell. Yeah, don't tell her because it's like over. It's like it works well. I mean that that tree will smell like a real tree, but yeah, maybe you want to keep that to yourself then. So hey, I get the the air the, the 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 fucking spray can because if I'm ripping ass in the living room or something, she comes in with that to like balance it out. You know, like she knows <laughs> I don't like. She knows I don't like the scent of the of the pine. <laughs> so if she's got to deal with the scent of my ass, so she just walking. So she's just walking around with an air fresher to spring well, it above no, her she, head, and then like, well, yeah, no, she'll enter a room, and if I've been in there doing Jolanza things, you know, with my butthole, she'll be like, mm-hmm. no, and then she'll go get it, and she'll be like, now you got to smell pine. But it's the pine, though. So so that's your punishment for for right, like, using your butthole to like smell it up. Yeah, I, I hate right. the scent of the pine. You know, she's not going to go get the Febreze because then I'll be like, oh, well, this is a delightful combination. Of- I see. OK, so it is. It, it, she doesn't want it to become a learned behavior that, you know, you get rewarded uh, yeah. for making bad smells. OK, that makes sense. It's, it's some deep, you know, <laughs> deep thought going on there. But uh, any uh, big ticket items for the uh, the young ones? I don't know. Are they in earshot? I don't want you to ruin uh, Christmas. But uh Nah, they want a uh, the, the the girl's been screaming about getting like a uh, one of them big uh, uh, gimmick uh, kitchen sets, like with the refrigerator. Oh, okay. And oh, yeah, the yeah, stove yeah, yeah. And the, so that's the big ticket item. I got to put that together on uh, on Christmas Eve. It says oh, it, takes four, it takes it takes four hours to assemble. So. That's gonna take twelve hours minimum for you. That that so, thing is not going up in four hours. It'll start off. You know, I'll be in a great mood. I'll have my IKEA fucking rack it set out and i'll be uh you know have some christmas music on and about an hour into that you know i'm sure i'll be uh disgusted and hating my life but yeah, yeah the at two set. different times you're gonna kick that thing and it's gonna fall apart and you have to restart i promise that's like that's how that's gonna go for sure yeah that's well the suggestion was put it to start putting it together now i'm like but where are we gonna hide it what if she finds it you're gonna ruin uh, her christmas number one and you're gonna ruin the idea of santa claus for the rest of her life we can't right, do that true. it's gotta mm-hmm. be done the night before i'm trying to preserve kayfabe here you know, I'm trying to preserve the Santa Claus kayfabe as long as I can. If, and, you know, even she's like, well, just hide it in the closet when it, no, well, what, are, not the closet, the the garage. I'm like, well, if she oh, wanders that's into dangerous. the garage, that's dangerous. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, you even, yeah then you can't park in the garage until Christmas because you can't <laughs> have her gone. So, no, I'll just put it together Christmas. I'm, I, look, I'm ambitious about I think I can get it done. Okay. Well, believe it with this stuff with that, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a man of patience. I think I can bear down and make sure I get it done or either that, or she's going to have a half built kitchen. Set I was going to say, she's probably going to have a half built kitchen. Yeah. Santa didn't have time. He got busy. Santa got busy. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put the rest don't together today. And she's yeah. only three asking too many questions. Like, Oh, well, we don't have a chimney. How does he get in? And I'm like, I don't know. He slides down the wall. What do you want from me? <laughs> that was an early question for me too. That that was because they shouldn't perpetuate the sand down the chimney thing because there are many many houses that do not have chimneys, especially like today. Because I remember as a kid, like we did not have a chimney. We didn't have a fireplace. Or we I guess we kind of had like a chimney, but it was just like you know where the 
heat would be let out or whatever, but right, there was right. no realistic place for Santa to go. And I remember like, I was very early and I was like, wait a minute, how does Santa get in the house? And they're like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think my parents yeah. are very good at lying about it either. I forgot what they said. They're like, oh, uh, we leave the back door open. I'm like, oh, okay. That seems odd, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> leave the back. I like that one. That's a lot better yeah. than my, uh, he slides down the wall. It's a lot better than that. So I'll give him credit for that. But, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't have a fireplace. It's 110 in September here. What do I need a, uh, what do I need a fireplace? Nobody has a fireplace. It's it's absurd. But uh, yeah, there you go. All right, so let's. Uh, we got some pro wrestling as well uh, to talk about before the uh, the holiday season here. As you mentioned, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, uh, New Japan Road to Tokyo Dome, uh, WWE TLC ROH Final Battle. A lot of stuff going on uh, this weekend or, or this last weekend. But uh, also another cool story too that we want to talk about has not made tape yet. Uh, but a news item that we wanted to touch on: uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, a huge, huge, huge title change in Pro Wrestling Noah, and one that we we talked about many months ago. Of like, would you do this? And and they did it, Joe. Uh, what happened here in uh, Pro Wrestling Noah? All right, so Kato Kiyomiya, they pulled the trigger. He wins the Global League. Uh, Marafuji gets injured, can't face him in the final of the Global League, so they do the three-way match. Uh, Nakajima, to, to decide Marafuji's block, Nakajima comes out of that block, so they have the Nakajima-Kato Kiyomiya final, which to me, that's a situation where an injury actually, um, um, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a happy accident for Noah because now you save Kiyomiya's big win over Marafuji. Presumably, he was going to win Global League based on what's happened since. So now you still have that big win that Kiyomiya can get right. over Marafuji in your back pocket. So I kind of think they lucked into something there. Plus, Nakajima, with his tremendous like heel prick character that he's doing, was the perfect foil in the finals of the Global League, I, th- I thought, for Kiyomiya uh, to win as well. So he wins the Global League, earns the title shot, and then on the 16th of, uh, of December this month, oh, we got a run-in here from TLB. Here she comes with my my beverage from Sonic. This is Ooh. the uh, Coke Zero with cherry and chocolate, which she uh, – Cherry and uh, chocolate. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a uh, fancy I don't man. know. I don't know All about right. the chocolate. Thank you, thank you very much, Brittany. Rich says Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Brittany. <laughs> you want to sip? Bring her in. Bring her in. Bring Come the here. whole family in. It's a Christmas special. Yeah, bring them all in. Come here, Amelia. You want to taste this? All right. She doesn't get the uh, the soda very now. often. So we let's up all night now. <laughs> way, to, way to go. Yeah, that's never never going to bed now. How's that taste? Yeah, you're not going back to that dopey juice now, are you? This is fantastic. <laughs> you like that? Fantastic. She said fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous. All right. Good night. All right. No, no, not good night anymore. No, not anymore. That's, yeah, she's good staying up over. all night now. Yeah, good night is Noah. <laughs> She'll be helping you put that thing together tonight if you want. She's like, fantastic. I agree. Yeah. Huh, the chocolate. Right, so anyway, I wonder. I don't know if I like the chocolate in there, but uh, I guess I'll try co- it. I can't yeah. knock until I try it. So You can't. It's, it's Coke Zero with chocolate and cherry flavor from the Sonic. I also sometimes do the uh, Diet Dr. Pepper with the chocolate and the cherry. But uh, nice job out of TLB there. I wasn't expecting that. Okay, nice clutch, so, yeah. Nice clutch. Uh, yeah. So what, where, where was I? Oh, so Kiyomiya, he earns the title shot. On uh, on the 16th against uh, Takashi Sagera, who Rich, I don't know how much of his title reign you've seen, but it's been fucking fantastic. Yeah, this not guy, enough. I probably haven't seen enough, but I of what I've seen, it's been pretty awesome. It's been uh, it, it it seems to, and and I and that's kind of the consensus from other people as well. Uh, it seems to have reinvigorated Noah a little bit. I mean, he he kind of took that. It, it seemed like they were just 
who the hell, what direction were they going in? What, what was the st- stabilization with that company for years and years and years? The Nakajima thing didn't quite work. But uh, of what I've seen, Segura has been awesome. And from the people that are following it and watching every single show, he's been fucking great. So I, I, I wish I had a chance to watch a little bit more of it. No, oh, yeah, he's been, uh, as I rudely take a drink. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, no, it's, it, you can't get your hands off that thing. It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's tremendous. I'm telling you. I got water. Uh, I feel really shitty now. I just have fucking water here. That's, you know, got a little jealous. So, uh, yeah, he, he's been outstanding this year. I've seen most of his title defenses. Uh, I think there's one or two that I haven't seen yet, but he's 48 years old. He's fucking awesome. Um, he's, he's, you know, if, if you really break it down, believe it or not, Takashi Segura is probably one of the three best wrestlers in the history of the promotion. I mean, he's been there from essentially, uh, you know, he's been there his whole career, almost from day one. And, um, you know, he, he's been, uh, the, the, uh, the, the GAC champion several times. He's having a just a tremendous title run or or one that just ended that not nearly enough people were paying attention to. He's going to get screwed come award season. I mean, he, he's, he's you know, no one's really talking about him as far as wrestler, whatever kind of awards you're talking about, whether it's wrestler of the year or the flair Thez and, and observer vernacular or a most outstanding, but he really does deserve consideration for all of those things. But his tremendous title run ends, and that kind of plays into the story. Now, Kiyomiya is a guy. Now, look, they did it. They showed some guts, and they pulled the trigger, and they had him beat a dominant champion who was in the middle of a awesome, awesome long-term title reign, long-term by modern standards, I guess. And um, what do you think of the move? I, I Well, I'll let you go first, and then I'll give my take on it. But uh, all of those factors considered – what do you think of the move to just fucking rocket pack Kiyomiya heading into 2019? Yeah, it seems, again, like I, I come from at it from somebody who has probably not watched enough Noah to kind of get a, a full idea of it. But we've talked about this for a while with Kiyomiya that once you kind of knew you had something in him, and I think we had this exact discussion a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I should say, where uh, I think it was after the Global League. And we said, you know, if, if you know, would you pull the trigger on this guy and win in the title or whatnot? And I think one of the issues was, well, the Segura run's been so great. Is it time to do it? But maybe they struck when the iron was hot. Maybe they got it at the exact right time where they waited, where Segura's reign didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. And it felt like this was a real shock that Kiyomiya went here and got this. But overall, I'm into, I'm into it because I'm always for you know taking a risk and trying to make a guy i mean this is what that is and it's it's not a guy who who necessarily has come out of complete nowhere because he had been built up even as a rookie we talked about this a few years ago it felt like there was something different about this guy there felt like there was they were definitely behind him in some ways and he had that potential there was just a little bit of rough edges you know he needed to get his body right a little bit needed to fix that fucking haircut that he had that was ridiculous but we knew that once he kind of refined it a little bit and he was only a guy like 20 when we were having these conversations that once he refined himself a little bit that he would be that guy and they knew that too. So it's not like this is just a, hey, fuck it, this guy. Like, this is a guy they've been building up. And, you know, I for Noah, if it's not now, you know, who cares? You know, it, it, like they don't, they, they're not really up against any wall. They're not up against anything really It's that's going to make it like a horrible business decision to do this. I don't think so. I think like given where their business is at, like it really in a lot of ways probably couldn't get a whole hell of a lot worse for an entire year. So, you know, why not do do this? Why not pull the trigger? Why not do something with Kiyomiya and, and, and build a guy and build a star right away? Because like you said, now we already have those ready-made matches too. The Marifuji match we can go back to. We, of course, have a Nakajima match that we can go back to and, and see. We have a Segura rematch that we're looking at right there. I mean, all of it's right there, and, and it's just a matter of sticking with it now. That's the key is that he can't lose now in a month or you can't lose in a few months or whatever. Now you kind of have to stick with it. This is now what you've decided. But I'm usually more times than not in favor of like rocket packing a, a young guy. 
given that that guy we all think or you can think or you know that this guy is going to be pretty solid. And I think Kiyomi is going to be pretty solid. So I, I, I really have no issue with it. Yeah, I, I no, there's no question he's their guy and he was going to be their guy. And we all knew that. I mean, I feel like it's a little early. I do. He's 22 years old. Um, it, it's it's he, he hasn't even really filled out into his body yet. Um, he doesn't feel like a G a, a GHC caliber guy yet. But with that said, this was going to happen eventually. And I give them a lot of credit for having the balls to pull the trigger right here, right now. Noah has uh, had a excellent in-ring year. They're going to finish uh, very high in my promotion of the year rankings. Very high as in top five, top three uh, in my promotion year ranks. They've been very enjoyable to watch. So they've, and, and Segura really, his title reign stabilized the company. The Nakajima title, babyface title run just didn't work. We all wanted it to work. They wanted it to work. Uh, they tried to portray him as a huge babyface ace. It just didn't work, whether it was the timing or whether it was Nakajima himself or a combination. It doesn't matter. The reasons don't matter. There's a lot of times uh, when things don't happen in wrestling where I stop trying to analyze why. All that matters is it didn't fucking work, and we all accept that now. And the reasons don't matter. Um, Segura really stabilized things. So from a a, a booking perspective, they, they've had a great year from a booking perspective. The booking has been on point. All of the directions have been good. Everything has made sense. They've gotten people over. Um, Segura stabilized things at the top of the card, which is, which is important because it really starts there and, and, and their business is okay. I mean, they did a little under 2,200 fans in Yokohama for the title change. That's not great. So it's, it's while Segura has stabilized things, he's never been a guy who's going to be, who's going to do huge business on top, but he was perfect for what they needed him to do in between Nakajima and and trying this with Kiyomiya. So I don't blame them for trying to rocket pack him. It's a bold move. It's a gutsy move. I like it. I'm just afraid it's a little too early. Now, the danger in that is you could fuck the guy up long term if he fails in his first run. That That's always a danger in pro wrestling. Right. Especially in this company. Noah has, yeah. has a chartered past of, of, of that exact same thing happening with numerous guys time and time again. So Correct. So there is the danger in that. There's also a danger in waiting too long, but they were not even close to that point with this kid. I, I just, I'm rooting for them. Rich, you know, and longtime listeners know, Noah, I mean, that's where my heart lies in Japan. That's my all-time favorite promotion in Japan. I always have a soft spot for Noah. No matter how bad it gets, I have a soft spot for Noah, and I root for Noah, and I want Noah to do, to do well. And I want this to work out. I just I fear maybe a little too soon, but they're making they made a lot of power moves down the down the stretch this year. Uh, I think bringing in Yuji Hino. Listen, we've talked about this guy a few times over the years. I have no idea whether it's political or he's a pain in the ass or there's attitude. I don't know what the reasons are. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be tuned in. I cannot believe after all of these years, a major promotion hasn't taken a chance on Yuji Hino as a full time guy. Okay, he was a Kayantai Dojo guy. That's not a place where you make a career. Uh, he's been a zero-one guy for the last few years. That is no longer a place where you, you know you you get you, you make a career. I cannot believe. Now I have no idea if this Noah thing is permanent. They bring him in at the Cork and Hall show on the seventh of December as the surprise. He's the surprise. He was the ex-rich 
They brought him in, the hooligans group. You want to talk about a scuzzy group of heels. Listen to this. <laughs> I know. Right I think someone give me this list, and it Let's is. Give it, it is. To, the, to the listeners. Uh, it's uh, Mitsuya Nagai, who spent all year with Noah, who's as grimy as it gets. Kazma Sakamoto, Maybach Tanaguchi, uh, Cody Hall, and now Yuji Hino. Maybe that, shower after reading those names. <laughs> those are some grimy heels, but it works. And Yuji Hino is the perfect leader for those guys, is he not? Like oh, yeah. He comes out with his double middle fingers and his fucking bomb finisher and all this other shit. And it, 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 or what, what does he call that? I forgot he about the fucking bomb. No, I think you're right. It's the fucking oh, something. what is it? Oh, God. Andrew what the hell is he right finisher? now as, as we're saying it? Yeah, I, I would go on to Wikipedia, f- but they t- it's something. Yeah, it's, it's the something fucking like bomb. He calls it the fucking bomb. Is it the bomb, fucking man. bomb? Okay, what, what's the one that you're thinking of? What's the Archer one that you're thinking of? Archer calls something the effing the effing slam, maybe. F the yeah, fucking slam. yeah. It's like the, I, I I don't remember. I do. But, just, uh, <laughs> this is great. So if you go to Yuji Hino's, uh, you got to go to Pariso, uh, system dot because Wikipedia took him away. Uh, finishing moves, you got the fucking bomb. Uh, also, signature moves, you have the fucking body press, which is great. <laughs> yeah, the guy's outstanding. Like, I love the guy. <laughs> I love it. The fucking body press. I love that because it's like, it's not yeah. like that big of a move, but it's like, yeah, fucking body press, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what and, a man. And, and I know no one cares but me, but he had a great feud this year in 0 1 with uh, Kohei Sato, which was a very grimy feud. But uh, they kicked the shit out of each other in 0 1 all year, at least when it made tape. And uh, I, look, I have no idea if there's a long term thing, a short term thing. They tend to be short term things with him. All Japan uses him from time to time. You know, he it's not like he never shows up in a larger promotion, but this would be a great ad if they can add him full time. And he would be a great dude to build up for Kiyomiya to beat early in his run. I, I mean, that's a credibility victory uh, to beat a, a big hoss like Yuji Hino, a big, uh, you know, a, a fight like Yuji Hino. But uh, they brought in Yuji Hino. They gave Sugi a shot. Uh, who I've been screaming about. And, and you know, he signed with zero one one last year, kept his nose clean, had a good year for zero one, one didn't get himself in any trouble. Maybe a guy like Sugi, you know, shows up more in Noah now. And, and he's maybe the most underrated flying wrestler in the history of, of, of wrestling. I mean, and, and another guy we've talked about from time to time, but if you are not familiar with Sugi, I mean, go look him up on YouTube right now. I yeah. mean, he does, to this day, he still does stuff that nobody even attempts to do like his wall climbs and his rope run drop kick and an innovator, a, an, an all time great flyer who historically is not going to get his due because he was always in trouble. He was always working for grimy promotions. He was, uh, you know, always doing sleazy things. And, you know, he was blacklisted for a while. Zero one gave him a shot this year. He did a nice job, had a good year. I saw everything that hit tape, uh, kept his nose clean and he worked a six man tag. Um, you know, Noah gave him a shot. A couple weeks yeah. ago, I, I like zero one being a clearinghouse for these guys to go to. Like you know, yeah. yeah. You could, if, you, if, you could, if you could just not fuck up here for like six months, we can then move you on to a bigger uh, and better promotion, maybe. But I, I enjoy that. That's a good spot for zero one to be in uh, in 2018 with their uh, P yellow mat. Do they still have the P yellow mat, or do they change? No, no, they don't use the yellow mat anymore. They <sighs> uh, yeah, they had a uh, they had a wacky year. You know, uh, Obata, their world champ, got injured. I don't think he ever came back. And, and you don't get any news out of that promotion. So no, we we we'll, we will get in a week though. Every time, like, what's their, the the show they have on the second or whatever is like the show that everybody always sees, yes. and then nobody ever sees zero one ever again. It's like oh zero one, yeah, 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 and then they're just gone. And then it's like every January second, it comes back again. Hey zero one, yeah, and then they just go away again. And there's a little hole yeah. that they go into, but yeah, that's. But circling back to Noah, they did four title changes on that Yokohama show, so they're really 
setting the table for 2019 and they, they the Rattels group, uh, you know, Yohei turned on the rest of Rattels. So they, they shot a lot of angles. They did a lot of title changes. They've got some new faces in the mix. And I really like that. They are a promotion to watch in 2019. If you haven't paid attention to them for a while, nobody can blame you. If you relate to the game, junk jumping back into this Segura, you know, title reign, I get it. Sometimes it takes a while to get back into a promotion when they've had some downtime. But, uh, you know, turn of the calendar, Rich, you know, a lot of people get reinvigorated. I'm going to jump into this with gumption and follow it all year. One of my suggestions for people would be to watch this Yokohama show. It hits taped 20. Well, it airs the 22nd. Okay. This Yokohama show with all the title changes and the big title switch. So it'll be floating around by the 22nd or the 23rd and all the usual spots. It's a great place to jump in and watch. Maybe even watch the Corican show from the seventh, where they did the uh, they they filled the vacant tag team titles with a little mini tournament, and Yuji Hino debuted as the, as the so that might be a good spot to jump. In. That's actually the better jump in point. So watch that, then watch the Yokohama show and hit the ground running 2019, and we get to see this. Look, this is good for like a talk show like we do because we get to see th- how this Kiyomiya title initial title run plays out in 2019 and see if Noah. If he helps them pick up some momentum, let's see. It, this could be a Kento Miyahara situation from a few years ago in All Japan, where he really helps raise yeah. Noah's water level up, or uh, it, it might not work, and they might have to, you know, try something else. But it's it's going to be interesting to watch. So I give I give them credit for having balls to do it, but I I'm just afraid it might might have been a, a yeah. too early with him. But like I say though, do they they really have much to lose though? And I think that's a good position to do something like this in because it's not like. Because it's yeah, they've had some really bad times, but it's not like it could get super super bad. Like I, I I don't see it being a that big of a disaster where it's like a company killing disaster. Because we we've been there, we we've been in that route uh, with Noah and whatnot. So I feel like yeah, it's hard to really get any worse. So yeah, why don't you try it? I mean, he's he's definitely you know he's improved his look a lot. Like you said, he's still got to kind of fill out a little bit. He's still only twenty two, but the hair is, is is good now, and he's got a good look to him. And and you can tell they're probably trying to appeal to a little bit more of like yeah, it's great to have Segura up there, like this you know forty nine year old the bags under his eyes and whatnot because he's a badass and a killer but you know no one might be trying to see hey can we maybe get this you know 22 year old good looking dude you know maybe we can get a few more fans to kind of come in and and do that it's an interesting take that they're kind of going on it's maybe not noah like in that sense but uh it'll be a pretty good idea and 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 i'm interested to see how it goes yeah and like you said now we have a very clear line of like okay we have it happened at the end of the year so now we know 2019 is his year at least for the first few months so we'll see how it goes yeah you know segura is the ultimate stabilizer but, uh, you know, and he's still great, but there, there's not a lot of future there with a 48-year-old dude. But I tell you what, watch out for Nakajima, too, because he completely reinvented himself. And it's, it, he is more interesting than he's ever been in his career with this uh, with this sleazy heel routine that he does. Yeah, he's got his goatee and, and his <laughs> mustache. And, yeah, he looks like... And he, yeah, his wacky hair and it's just his attitude. The way he wrestles has completely changed. And it's way too soon right now. I'm not suggesting it right now. But I have no doubt that there's a big babyface turn down the line for him because he's got the kind of heel charisma now where it's inevitable that he's going to get over as a face at some point. Mm-hmm. And then it could translate that sort of badassery to a face role. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying tomorrow. That'd be ridiculous because this thing is like peaking right now. Um, but but like down the line, there's no question. And remember, like I don't even think he's 30 because he started when he was like 12. Right, so right, it's right. Like, <laughs> it's like, so I mean, he might actually be 30 now. Let me pull it up real quick. But but I mean, you know, so he's a guy who just because yeah, he's 30 years old. 
So it, it's like, you know, so he's got like, what, eight years of peak in front of him? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's, so, so, it's so ridiculous that he's only 30 because like he started, what, 2002? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I joke, but he started when he was so 14. He started when he was 14. He was 14 years old when he started. So yeah, he did legitimately start in 2002. So yeah, that's that's not us exaggerating. He literally started when he was 14 years old. So Yeah. Oh man, but yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, fun. Uh, fun that Noah's got a little bit of steam there. So uh, yeah, we'll look look to watch them in uh, 2019. And uh, yeah, obviously we got a plenty of stuff to get to as well. Stuff that happened last weekend, uh, news across the wrestling world. Before we do that, though, Joe, I want to let the folks know that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Robinhood. We've talked about Robinhood a few times. It's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, options, cryptos. And you can do it all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everybody, not just the wealthy. Robinhood is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like myself to invest for the first time with true confidence. Robinhood has simple and intuitive design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Joe, I know you've had a chance to kind of mess around with Robinhood over the last few weeks. Uh, what has your personal experience been like kind of thumbing around there, buying, selling stocks, wheeling and dealing, you know, Gordon Gecko went over there? Yeah, I made seven hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars trading on Robinhood. No, I don't. <laughs> that but, is not real. Yeah, that's... but uh, no, they make it very easy uh, to mess around and trade stocks. You don't have to be any kind of industry insider. You don't even have to know what the hell you're doing. They make it. It's very good for laymen. So you want to get in there and mess around with it. That the, the layout couldn't be easier. Uh, the way everything is explained couldn't be any easier. And it's a tremendous uh, way. For, uh, for even novices to jump in and play around with the market. Right, you'll be able to figure it out. Even if you know nothing about stocks and all an option, and other sorts of, it, it, it's easy. It's graphs and the graph goes up and you go, oh, that's good. <laughs> There's, you know, it's obvious. Everything sort of makes sense, which is good because I'm a novice. I don't know anything about the stock market. I've always tried to learn and, and get better at it. And Robinhood's been the first time that I felt like I really kind of get it in, in, in some way. So uh, I think, Though the best feature of Robinhood, and we've talked about this uh, in weeks prior too, is that there's no commission fee. Uh, other brokerage will charge up to uh, $10 per trade, up to $10 per trade, though. It's ridiculous. Robinhood, a ripoff. They don't charge. It's a goddamn ripoff, but Robinhood does not charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. None of it goes to the other third parties and the middleman. It's all for you. Uh, as mentioned, they have an easy-to-understand charts and market data, allowing you to place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You cannot do that with any other app. Promise. Uh, also, the Robinhood web platform uh, lets you view stock collections like the 100 most popular, or you can go to sections like entertainment or social media. They even have curated categories like top female CEOs or whatnot. So there's there's different ways to kind of go around it. Again, if you don't know a whole lot and you say, hey, I want to get in on the social media money, you click social media, it gives you the, the, the best stocks for social media. Hey, what are the most popular ones? You click that. It's So again, it's, it's meant for novices, as you said, meant for the layman. So that's a great part about it. Uh, you can learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. You can discover new stocks and you can track your favorite companies with personalized news feeds and best of all you can set up custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest and now the biggest part joe Robinhood is giving voices wrestling flagship listeners a free stock like apple ford or sprint to help build their portfolio all you have to do you sign up right now at voices.robinhood.com that's voices.robinhood.com you sign up now and you'll receive a free stock to get started like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, voices.robinhood.com. We thank them very much for sponsoring this show. All right, Joe, plenty of topics to get to a crazy wrestling weekend. We got Road to Tokyo Dome. We got the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. We got TLC. We got Final Battle. What do you want to start with? Oh, Rich, I, I know that you cannot wait to talk about <laughs> TLC. If you say TLC, no, please, at the end of the show. Do you want to Listen, do TLC now? Do you want to just get it out of the way? Let's get it out of the way. It's Rich, fine. people Whatever. thought this was a great show. 
I saw I got like uh like ninety five percent or something like eighty nine percent thumbs up on on the Wrestling Observer. Yes. And, and I mean, I, I, there was matches I really liked. There's one match that I loved. I do I, consensus thumbs up. Like uh, I, I don't know I, what, what was your what was your take on it? Maybe we're just disenfranchised finally and we just can never enjoy it anymore i don't know i uh, i did not think it was that i thought there was some good stuff on it but yeah i mean like show the year contender and unanimous thumbs up like what are we doing no way first half sucks thought, it was awful that's right that's what see that's where i stand i thought i thought the first half of the show up until the ronda rousey match we were looking at one of the worst shows of the year i thought the first half of the show was atrocious um with some of the worst stuff i've seen all year then the Ronda Rousey match happened, and she caught she she Ronda Rousey did such a tremendous job with that tub of shit opponent, and really as a rookie carried Nia Jax to what was a, a pretty damn good match. And then there were two excellent matches, um, you know, to close the show with the with the Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins thing wedged in between. So <laughs> I was about to say, that, I thought you were including that in the excellent matches. I nearly passed out. Okay. Whew, you qualified back, that a little bit later. I, oh, my heart stopped for a sec. You said two excellent matches. Dean Ambrose. Yeah, like, oh, the show. What, yeah. ah, what are you talking about? No. So you clarified I it. Mean, Thank you. Whew. I thought the back end of the show saved it. I mean, I, I don't think it was a bad show. I thought it was an okay show. Um, But the first half to me, and I think this is where maybe myself and uh, and the captain here differ with the consensus. I really thought the first half was absolute dog shit. And, you know, we'll go through and I'll explain my stance on, on each match. But, um, you know, but it doesn't seem to be we seem to be off from the consensus, at least on the first half. But I'll say this. I'm going to say good things about Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I know you're going to bury the hell out of it. I don't hate that match as much as everybody else seems to hate it. So there's a couple different matches on this show where I seem to be wildly off on consensus in both directions. Yeah, there's going to uh, be one, too, that I'm, I'm way different than it feels like everybody else, too. So we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment, too. That's a little sleeper there for you, a little tease uh, uh, later. But, uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, the last half of the show, I think, was was solid. Like, I don't know if it was spectacular. I don't know if it was, like, really all that great. But the, the first half was egregiously bad to me. So that 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 hurts it overall. I would say, yeah, I'd say a thumbs in the middle show for sure. I enjoyed the last half and I enjoyed pretty much everything after Rousey for some perverse reason, even the Ambrose Rollins thing, which, you know, again, like I'll bury here in a minute, but ultimately like I, I had interest watching it because I was kind of watching it unravel and watching sort of the reaction as it happened. So it was like this perverse entertainment that I had from it, even if it wasn't an ultimately a good match in my mind, but uh, there was some enjoyment in there, but no, it, it, it was getting very boring there for a while and it really got charged. Yeah. The Rousey on. And, and I think she did a tremendous job with Nia Jax, uh, as you said, but do you want to go main event back or do you want to go to start the, the show and then work our way back? How do you want to approach uh, old TLC? Here's what I want to do on our notes here. It says pre-show, which doesn't matter, which I will stress to everyone. That's rich. Who wrote that on the notes? No, that's WWE said it didn't matter. Joe, who won a a match on the pre-show at survivor series? Which team won a match on the pre-show at survivor series? I believe that uh, SmackDown won a match. SmackDown did Uh, at the end of survivor series. uh, What was Raw's record at uh, survivor series? Uh, They were billed as undefeated. Correct. Okay. Okay, so I see where you're going with that. <laughs> they told but, us it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's a, it's it's a good point, 
But <laughs> I know I should have watched. I didn't. I knowing that Bert Murphy and Alexander was on there, I wish I would have watched it. They didn't say that any of these matches were going to be on the pre-show, and then I, I pull up at whatever time it is, and I got fucking Carmella doing a floss. I'm like, what the fuck? I wanted to set or something in that opener, but no, you know. I I will give you a classic Stephen A. Smith, but I am a pre-show respecter. Okay, <laughs> unlike you. And I don't appreciate this pre-show doesn't matter. There's a championship match on this pre-show. I, I never said that. They said that. They have said it no longer matters. And so I've decided, okay, I am now because I, I wasn't going to watch them anyway, but now that they've officially declared that they don't matter, now I know they don't matter. So I'm glad with they did all that. Of, with all of that said, I did not watch the pre-show. So like <laughs> <laughs> we're hot Elias Bobby Lashley takes. Are you kidding? You don't have anything? No, I was uh listen. I, I that match actually I mean, did not happen. I'm reading this right here. It says a ladder match between Elias and Bobby Lashley. There is no way that happened. And it, it ended in six minutes. That didn't happen. Yes, it happened. <laughs> Remember, we speculated that Leo Rush would be the one doing all the ladder spots. <laughs> um, I don't think that actually – is that actually how it went? I don't think it did. Think speaking of which, Leo Rush defeated uh, Aaron Solo on 205 Live this week. Um, Rich, Aaron Solo wrestles – uh, in job matches more than a lot of people get on TV in this company. Why don't they just sign Aaron Solo? I don't know. Yeah, he's wouldn't, been, wouldn't he's just been be jobbing for nine years now. He's essentially he's an old school jobber in an era where they don't use old school jobbers. So yeah, just sign the fucking guy. <laughs> and he's talented and he's married to someone he's on extra roster. talented in some ways. Some, some people call him extra talented, but uh... I, 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 you know what? Very, very clever. He's extra talented. He's married <laughs> to someone on the roster. You use him anyway, like once a month. Why not just sign the fucking guy already? It does. It just it drives you nuts. But, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I did not watch the pre-show either. I was uh, watching the Rams lose their second straight on Sunday Night Football to the Eagles, so I didn't watch the show live, which means I didn't watch the pre-show. Now I will go back and watch Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander. Uh, I did not hear tremendous things about it, but I heard it was perfectly fine. So. Skipping to the actual show, we open up, Rich, with the Mixed Match Challenge Finals, which had some stakes as the winners are getting the <laughs> number 30 spots in the Royal Rumble. Doesn't that decision And, and a vacation. And a vacation anywhere in the world, Joe. A Don't vacation as well. That's right. <laughs> now, doesn't that decision strike you as something that someone brought up in a meeting and everybody thought it sounded real smart? Someone said, hey – why don't we make the winners of this thing? Why don't we give them the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble? And everyone in the room probably looked around and said, well, shit, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great idea. And, and they made that decision, but nobody really thought that through because the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble is kind of, is kind of like a dramatic spot sometimes. It's huge. It's a sacred moment. It's, it's a big yeah. moment now. It's become, it's become something of its own now too. So, so you can't really have a super mundane person in there anymore. Or if you do, that's usually met with a, a negative reaction. Like people expect someone interesting or a surprise or something in that 30 spot now. So yeah, it's fortunate this you year. You can save a big surprise for that 30 spot, but now they've blown it. We know that it's fucking Carmella and our truth. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, uh, who, well, I think who the other is, problem too is again, like when they were in that room, they were looking at all the names on there and going, "Oh, AJ Styles and Charlotte and all," and like the names that were there and Braun Strowman and all these people that were in there. But then that's another big issue with this mixed match challenge that we talked about last week is that 
eventually as it as, as the tournament went on they finally decided oh shit we can't have you know braun Strowman lose in the tournament or we can't have aj styles lose to and we don't want him to win because we don't want him to like be wasted on a major show in this mixed match challenge thing so then all the good people were all gone and then it ended up with this muck here so like it almost on its face it almost made sense when you had the good guy like when you had your aj and you had your bronze and you had your your top tier guys or guys that could actually realistically be in that spot and it'd be an important moment for them but those guys are all they all kind of left and then you end up with this carmella our truth and gender and alicia fox thing and then it it sounds just even more ridiculous so a lot of people believe that they just won't even pay this off that like our truth will come out for the women's rumble and like get confused and then they'll find some new guy for the men's 30 i i almost kind of hope they do that like this is something where you know i i want them to stick to stipulations but if this one they just totally forget and never mention ever again i think is probably a wise move yeah but that sounds terrible too i here's the thing <laughs> it sucks and that's the bottom line and this yeah. match sucked you can sit here and tell me that it's fun and people like the dance break and it's wacky and and Carmella and R-Truth, you know, it's just harmless prelim comedy. Fun. Rich, it's shit. I don't and have time in my life. I don't have time in my through. life to watch Carmella floss. Like I, I, I have, I got shit to do. I know this match was five minutes long. Long. I have, I, my five minutes are very valuable, and I'm sitting here watching this. I'm going, what the fuck am I doing? Why? Why am it's I wasting five minutes? Fucking this? four hour show. You don't <laughs> need to have a four hour show, and this doesn't need to be on the show. This can be on the pre show. Okay, there's no reason you can't hide this shit on the pre show. I cannot stand Carmella. She, she is one of my top five most go-away heat wrestlers in the fucking world right now, okay? And the Brahmin brothers permanently take up two of those spots. So think about that. She's in the top <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand her and her stupid I dance. I can't believe they're still there. The Brahmin brothers, how often do you even watch the Brahmin brothers that they're still there? Well, listen, every now and then when I decide, all right, I'm going to watch this, uh, you know, grimy DDT show or whatever, well, I have that's to remarkable. The well, That's brothers. remarkable. They've stayed up as, because as, they're like, they're there in per- perpetuity, basically. At this oh, they've point, been right? around they're like, for like, like decades. Years, like, yeah, I was like I mean, decades. They've been on your on your list here. There's a, a long history of hate between me and the Brahmin brothers. I just can't take it. But uh, but Carmella's right there with them, along with Otis. Otis is another one, <clears throat> and yeah. uh, Nikki Cross. Main Nikki roster call up. Main on. roster call up. Oh, main roster call up as well. So you're yeah. Those are my five right now. So you're really loving that main roster. Then. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's great news when Otis and Nikki Cross got called up because now I never have to see them unless they work a pay-per-view. <clears throat> so it works out uh, quite nicely for me. But yeah, this match was a waste of fucking time. Jinder Mahal, I, I swear to you, you know, I figured it out. You know what he looks like when because he-, he-, he can barely move. He looks like, and it's the holidays, Rich, whether it's the, uh, the Hanukkah, the Kwanzaa, the Christmas, the Thanksgiving. The Diwali, the little Diwali in there too. Whatever, okay. Whatever the listener is celebrating, three kings. What, what's the one that we always talk about? There's not three, three kings, kings day. day. Yeah. Anyway, you know, everyone's got elderly people in their family, and they roll up in the car. And then you ever have an elderly person in your family who's too proud to accept help getting in and out of a vehicle? Yes. You ever yeah. have one of those, like a stubborn grandfather yeah. or a grandmother who's swinging the cane at you? I can do it. I can get out of this. <laughs> right. yeah. No, 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 no. That's how Jinder Mahal moves around a wrestling <laughs> ring. Like an elderly relative during a holiday who's probably not going to make it to the next Three Kings Day, okay, who just stubbornly refuses help getting in and out of the fucking minivan. I'm good. That's how he moves in the ring. He is so stiff and so bad. 
I, I he he's horrible. Well, just to tell you how bad and it he was, gets Joe. Worse and worse. I tell you how bad it was is go back in time. This match, the majority of the ring time was taken up by Carmella and Alicia Fox. They thought so little of Ginger's skills that they said, you know what, we would rather have this match be dominated by Carmella and Alicia Fox. They were in the ring quadruple the amount of time that our truth and gender was because of gender because our truth's so fine like he's not great he never was great but he's fine but gender is that bad they said we would rather have alicia fox and carmella do chain wrestling than ever see gender hall in the ring ever that is our truth our truth is, he is a boy he's horrible he, don't he brings it. nothing to the table oh okay God. we've proven he doesn't draw the indian audience okay we've proven that and beat that dead horse until it was dead twice okay so what does he bring you know, he's horrible. You can't do anything with him. He can barely move. Um, he's very vascular, which doesn't help the fact that he can't move. I'll just leave it at that. And R-Truth, though, is a great story. R-Truth is like 50 years old. R-Truth looks exactly like he looked when he was 25 years old. R-Truth wrestles exactly how he wrestles when he was 25 years old. I have no problem with R-Truth as an undercard comedy guy. He's fine. I don't even really have a problem with Alicia Fox. I could do without her. If they cut her tomorrow, I wouldn't care. But Jinder Mahal and Carmella, they I, I can't take it. I can't take it. I don't need them on the main rock. I, I can't take it. Put anyone yeah. else on the show. Okay, the, mo- the most talented collection of, of people so they've called. ever had yes. uh, in terms of the UK, NXT, all this sort of stuff. You Depth consider of the all, the, all of it in totality, and yet we're still taking up a, a, <laughs> you know, significant. Carmella and Jinder Mahal, yeah. Yeah. It, getting... it makes you sick. Yeah. This I mean, match should best, not be So to say, yeah. How is that not on the pre-show? Just stick the fucking swap it with the cruiserweight title match. Or why do we have to have a four-hour show? Why can't that be on the pre-show too? <sighs> but it was shit. It it sucks. Yeah. Okay. And then we move on. We've got the SmackDown triple threat for the tag team titles. The Bar defeat New Day and the Usos. Rich, there was nothing wrong with this match. Okay. The match was fine. Here's my problem with this match. The same complaint we made last week for the World Tag League final, a match that we've seen 19 times this yeah. year. I feel like we've seen some combination of this match on every <laughs> They addressed it. Show. They addressed it on TV. Did you hear the, 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 the segment on SmackDown? I forget who said it, but one of these three teams, because they're basically the same amalgamation at this point, said, ah, you know what? We need some new teams. We've been facing these same guys every night. It's like, yes, yeah, like on TV. They even admitted that, yeah, we've been basically just facing each other for the last eight months or whatever, because it is. Yeah, they came out and I'm like, oh, these guys again? And like, it's it's... It's one of these situations where they have a perfectly competent, perfectly fine wrestling match. It's over, and I never remember it again. Joe, I couldn't tell you one thing that happened in this match. I, I don't. You don't care. remember it, and you don't care about it, and you don't care who wins. And there's no. The bar came out, and they went ah, and did their pose, and the lights went on, and that's all I remember. And, and the new day did something silly, and then that was it. That's all I remember. Gun to your head, which two members of the new day wrestled this match? <laughs> uh, I know Kofi for sure. Oh, shit. Would you be dead? Let's see. <laughs> I think I would be dead. I think Kofi is one of them. He got a 50-50 sure. shot. Oh, my God. I feel like Big E was a part of it, but I don't know. I think it was Xavier, but I don't, it, don't it quote me Xavier, on that. I'm dead, aren't I? Oh, oh, thank God. Ooh. You Ooh. lived to fight another. Yeah, it Ooh. was it. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, it was fine, okay? Like, but how could you care about it? So, again, we're, we're 0 for 2 to start this thing, and then we move on to the Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin thing. And it's like, here's the thing. That's not even a match. Yeah, I know. Well, let me explain it this way. I watched Raw first because I watched Raw live. Okay, and then I went back and watched TLC. (laughs) Well, I wanted to see the McMahon. Who hurt you, Joe? Why are you doing that? Oh, okay. Yeah, 
I, I want I want to see the McMahon thing. And um, and then I went back and watched TLC on Tuesday. Rich, they did the same segment back to back nights. They did the same Baron Corbin angle back to back nights with the same people. With the same people. <laughs> it's just like eight baby faces beating up yeah. the people. Right. And they did it back to back nights. So I watched it on Raw and I was like, okay, we got a Baron Corbin write off. This, this is fine, right? It's a, it's a little goofy, but all right. And then I went back. I had no idea they did the same exact angle a night earlier on TLC. They did the same thing two nights in a row. Did, did, did this not occur to anyone else? Did this not come up in the writer's Nobody room? cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Why doesn't Jimmy Jacobs, writer apologist, bring that up? That, you no, know, yeah, they, they no, no. It's too hard. It's too hard. We did three hours on a goddamn week. It ain't that hard. So. I don't want to hear from Jimmy Jacobs. Okay, that's another no. thing. Okay, the guy comes on Wrestling Observer Live. First of all, he sounds like he's underwater on a fucking can in a string. Okay? <laughs> I haven't I didn't listen we, to the interview yet. But. Can we get a better connection for Jimmy Jacobs on Wrestling Observer Live, please? Okay, I like Semp. Uh, Semp's a good guy. He's been on this show. Um, I like you know we, we, we pick on Brian Alvarez, but we like Brian Alvarez. Okay, I like Wrestling Observer Live. I tune in, as they say now and then. But on the it, Sports it, Byline we, Radio Network? Are you on Sports Byline or you just go on the dot .com? So. The dot .com, it was on the Sirius for a while. Okay, I listen. Okay, every now and then. Can we get a better connection for Jimmy Jacobs? I swear to God, he sounded like he was a mile deep under the Pacific Ocean on two cans and a string. You can't hear what the guy's saying. Okay? And when you do hear what he's saying, it's nothing but uh, apologensia for how hard that fucking job is. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I understand working for Vince McMahon is probably a fucking nightmare. Not probably. It's a confirmed nightmare. No, we know nightmare. it is. But we've known okay. for two decades that it's a fucking nightmare. And I understand there's a thousand moving parts and everything is micromanaged and this and that. At the end of the day, it's fucking pro wrestling. Okay? If you want someone to look good, have them win a lot of matches. If you want someone to look bad, have them lose a lot of matches. Okay? If someone's getting good reactions, push them. I mean, this isn't – we're not sending rockets to the fucking moon. Okay, and I get that the show is three hours, and that's a challenge as well. But I, I, I don't need to hear from Jimmy Jacobs about how this is the fucking hardest job on earth. I'm sorry, it's a hard job when you have 90 people in the room. Okay, when it's like a one person job, that's why it's hard because they make it hard. They, they make this right, they've job. They created it's a self fulfilling prophecy. They've yes. made it a difficult, daunting task when it doesn't need to be. And then they still book the same match twice in a row. <laughs> and they're like the, the, the bar faces the new day 47 times in a year or whatever. And it's still like, yeah, okay. You know, you spend all this time and there's 97 people in a room and they're all doing all this shit. And then the day it's all Vince McMahon and he says, I, I, I want to do this. And they just do it anyway. So it's like, what? what? And, and it's funny. Like, I'm not picking on Jimmy Jacobs. It's like, I get where he's coming from. But in the same fucking interview, five minutes later, he's saying, oh, well, for impact, it's real easy because it's just me, Sanjay, and Don. And, <laughs> right, and I'm thinking to myself, well, is it the fucking light bulb going on here? Like, that's the problem, okay? Because it, it's just it's it's not a job meant for nine thousand people. You just answered your own question, right? And I, I, I what they're doing though, and I get it because then you had all the like these random X writers coming up or whatever. Because when people get upset, they kind of say all oh, the writers are this, and they think that's an affront to them that people are criticizing Jimmy. J- 
Jacobs or whatever, you know, whoever's in that spot now or whatever, any of the writers that are on the team right now, when everybody that's criticizing it knows goddamn well that, like, no matter what people say, it's Vince McMahon at the end of the day, but they just use these other weird sort of guarded, oh, the writers, oh, the creative or whatnot. And and we all know goddamn well that those guys, it's a thankless job and these guys spend a bunch of time and it all just kind of gets filtered through the same guy anyway. But yeah, it's like you don't have to get to, you, you can show some balls and just say, yeah, well, it's a fucking thankless job because Vince just changes everything anyway. And then, and then you could just say that. And I'd respect that more than, oh my God, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Well, we, we know it's difficult. Like, of course it is. You knew that you knew that when you took the job. Like, you're not an idiot. No, nobody is dumb enough to think, haha, I'm going to get this raw writer's job and I'm going to be a voice of reason to Vince. Like, no, it doesn't matter. You're just a, a, a guy who's there to, to, to shoot ideas at Vince that he can shoot down and then just do whatever the fuck he wants to do at the end of the day anyway. So I think you hit on a good point. Whenever this sort of springs up, the writers take it personally. And right, they and jump they should on Twitter to defend themselves because nobody we all know is saying it's not their fault. Right, exactly. No one's saying guy, you know, ex Hollywood writer guy or whatever. That used to be a thing like ten years ago or whatnot. It was used to be like all oh, these Hollywood writers or whatnot. But people, everybody that criticizes now knows goddamn well what the score is, and they know that there's been 150 writers in the last two decades or whatever, and they're just they're just they're just you know cogs in the wheel. They're nothing. They're they're just guys that are there to get filtered through and 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 sent out away. So yeah, they, but they always take it personal when everybody bashes creative. And oh my god, you have no idea how hard it is to do. This. Yeah, and we and look, we we know it's the process, but th- but that's the point. Like it shouldn't be hard. The process makes it hard. So anyway, um, you know, so we have the same segment two nights in a row, and uh, it was it was just goofy and dumb. And 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 that was that. As we move on to, I really want to talk about this. This was the tables match between Natalia and Ruby Riot with uh, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan at, at ringside. And uh, Rich, I legitimately feel like this is one of the worst matches I've seen all year. Now, oh my god, thank you. I saw a bunch of people saying like that was pretty good, or ah, that was pretty. I thought, what am I? No, this match is terrible. What the it fuck was horrendous. I don't know. It was, it was so it was bad. Clunky. It was, it was in molasses too. It was how do you have a clunky like it's hard to have a clunky match where every spot is basically blowing and then they're also working at a snail's pace too. Like I get it if you're working like a bunch of fucking maniacs and yeah, things are a little bit if you're trying to just do move, 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 boom, 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 boom. But this thing was worked at the slowest fucking pace ever, and they still fucked every move up. Every move, Joe, yeah. looked weird. Nothing looked smooth. Not one move looked like it was done with any sort of coordination whatsoever. It was ugh, gross. And and on top of that, let's put let's set that aside. Like the work, okay? It, it, you've got tables with like you got a table with a Jim Neidhart fat head attached to it <laughs> on the outside of the ring. Okay, this match is built around trying to put a, a, a daughter through her dead father's fat head attached to a table. You've got Natalia going under the ring for that ring jacket. Uh, and she's like wearing a ring jacket up on. It was just silly. The whole thing was just <laughs> stupid and silly on top of the fact that it fucking stunk. So I don't see how people are defending this thing. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was legitimately for all of those reasons. It, it's a contender for worst match of the year for me. I, I thought it was an abomination and an embarrassment and something that you shouldn't be putting on if you're a major league pro wrestling company from the storyline to the execution to Natalia getting hit in the head by, by tables by accident to, to, you know, it's like there were one or two nice bumps in the match. I, I understand that. I get it. Okay. But, but oh, the overall package of this thing 
was a fucking disgrace. Okay, from the story to the execution to the match itself to Natalia getting powered up by the dopey jacket to uh, Jim Neidhart uh, stroking his beard on a fat head attached to the table. It's just dumb. Well, and then you also had you had the uh, the, the, the Ruby Riot fat head table too. The real, That's right. We the, real, the way you get revenge for making fun of my you know dead father and breaking his glasses, I'm going to put you through a table that has your fat head on That's it. Right. So you know, yes. You know, which really will stick in Ruby Riot's craw. You know? So dumb. Like, I, 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 it's just insulting watching this. This is what I'm talking about. This first half of this show was fucking garbage. It was just all garbage one after another. Now we have Finn Balor, Drew McIntyre, which again, was fine. Okay? Let's get the goofy finish with the run-in with, uh, with uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler running in and, and affecting the finish. It was fine, but Rich, this was a it's a second hour raw match. Okay. And this was probably the highlight of the first half of this show. And it was a second hour raw match that you will soon forget. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I, I, this is a point in the match where I, I almost fell asleep during this entire show. Cause it was like, you know, I'd been busy that entire day and like, yeah, there was it, again, fine match, good match, but why would I care? There's nothing to care about in these two guys and the feud that they're going on with. And, 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 you know, it was made even worse by the fact that, that Oh my God! Again, it's uh, Joe. As you, you you just alluded to it about ten minutes ago. If you want to push a guy, what's the best way to do it? Uh, win all of your matches. Right, just win your matches, which they were doing with Drew McIntyre for four months. You know, he was just winning all of his matches, and he was getting over, and everybody was kind of going, "Ah, this Drew McIntyre guy, there's something going on here." <laughs> then he loses to Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> he gets his win back immediately, like days later, mm-hmm. and now here he loses to Finn Balor because Dolph Ziggler distracted him. Right. And then Dolph beat up Finn Balor in the backstage. So right. at the end of it, fucking everybody's just geeks. Everybody's just goddamn Everyone, geeks. Yes. Finn is a baby face who needed the help of a heel to win. Drew mm-hmm. McIntyre lost when he uh, probably uh, shouldn't lose of, because two of his last three matches, by the way. Right, right. And then Dolph Ziggler, like, I guess he didn't look like a geek, I suppose. But well, fucking. he lost to Drew, and then he had to get his heat back, so he beat up everybody. Right. So it's, it's not that hard. Just have Drew win. Point. Drew just beats Finn Balor. Drew just beats Dolph Ziggler. There, I booked it a thousand times better. Here, hey, I got the writers' room. Hey, what should we do with Drew McIntyre? Ah, you can just win his match. All right, cool, done. Oh, I just did it. <laughs> I wrote it. I just wrote a, two, Wait, a week for his Rich, that jo- you don't understand. That job is hard. That job is so hard, Rich. It's difficult to do this. <laughs> hey, what do we do with Drew? I uh, could win. Okay, cool. There we go. Done. <laughs> yeah, it, like. But yeah, all three of these guys are just a glob. They're just a giant yeah. fucking glob of mid Carter because no one is allowed to look good for more than twenty four hours. Yeah, we got, we got a few happened. good months with Drew. We got a few good months with Drew. I don't know who he who he banged backstage or something. I don't know what it is, but did he bring back who's the? He had Tiffany, right? Was his uh his old uh his old fling that got that got him in trouble the first time, right? Wasn't it Tiffany that was uh, causing some, issues? And they got some heat from her. Yeah, yeah, some residual heat. Sure, is there a new Tiffany? Um, I think he's happily married, Rich. I don't know what you're trying to do to the poor man. Well, okay. All right, but, uh, all right. He follows us on he follows us on Twitter, and uh, he may be oh. listening to this. So I don't know why you're trying to get him in trouble, but uh, he's happily married. Uh, the Drew McIntyre. I, I don't even know. It might be to Tiffany for all I know, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. But what the deal is either. But nobody looks good um, in this thing, and the idea is that Drew McIntyre is supposedly getting some big push, and uh, the fact he's just trading wins. 
probably is indicative that he is because that's their idea of a big yep, push. That's, that's how they get you ready for a push is you lose a bunch of time. Just lose all your <laughs> you matches. Yeah, you become yeah. a 50-50 guy. So great. Perfect. Great. You never get to look Lovely. good as we move Lovely. on. Star making machine. Rich? Definitely, definitely ramping up. Star, <laughs> absolute machine that can't be stopped. Uh, Vince McMahon, ace star maker. <sighs> Could you just um, skip this next match? I can't, please. Hey, people defended this one hardcore when I said this was boring. And this was the chairs match between <sighs> Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton. Rich, um, as you know, I am an accurate star raider, right? You are. That's yeah. a well-known fact. What do I say all the time when I'm rating matches? One of my things is, ah, people are too hard. I rarely go below like two or two and a half. Most major league matches are at least average. So I usually, you know, if I go two, that's pretty low. I don't know how you guys are given matches like a quarter star or one star when they're perfectly fine matches. I gave this match one star. That's how bad. <laughs> that's I that's what match. it deserved. It fucking deserved a star. It, that's I like the perfect because anything lower, anything lower would have been like because it wasn't like egregiously bad, but it was just like boring as fuck. One star is the perfect way to rate this match. You are indeed an accurate star rater. With never go that low. I only go that low if it's like Mercedes versus Bacardi. You know what I mean? That's a one star match to me. Like this didn't fall apart like Mercedes versus Bacardi. But at least I got some perverse entertainment out of Mercedes versus Bacardi. Yeah. And I still watch that match from time to time just to hear our good pal Lenny Leonard say, I'm going to need a Bacardi after watching this one. <laughs> but, he's but, like the nicest guy in the world, too. You know what I mean? Like, well, he don't bury anyone. Well, he, 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 does bury the, he does on the sly sometimes. But yeah, like he'll never go out of his way like that to just fucking shit on something the way he did that match. But, um, but, but yeah, this was just, it, it was worked. <laughs> The work was fine, but this was boring as shit. Oh my god! I loved at one so point. I, I think Michael Cole said it. Uh, I forget. Or, or, or uh, no, it would have been Tom, right? Tom Phillips would have said it. Uh, Randy Orton slowing the pace down. <laughs> I was like, we don't need the slow pace. Like, this yeah. the last thing this show needed at this point was someone slowing the pace down. <laughs> it was like, yeah, and you know, I've got people telling me. What do you mean, Joe? This match wasn't slow. I'm like, the, the commentators <laughs> were saying it was slow. <laughs> They're like covering for these guys because it's so goddamn slow and shitty. You know, it was just boring. Sometimes a match just sucks because it's fucking boring. And that's what this was. Randy the Orton cra- fucking sucks. Randy Orton fucking sucks. I, I'm, I'm, I, if I never saw a Randy Orton match ever again, I'd be perfectly okay with that. Rich. He fucking stinks. This was a pretty hot crowd. And they were dead for this. Dead. And it's Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio Jr. who typically will get reactions. Right, and they've, they've had good matches to, with each other before. They've been pushed to stars for a million years. You know, and they killed a crowd which was lively. Okay, the crowd wasn't hot at the beginning of the match. And I think the reason was, why are these two guys having a stairs match? Uh, a chairs match? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. But it's like, they took a crowd that was kind of like lukewarm toward the match to begin with and totally fucking stabbed it in the heart and killed it dead by the end of the match. Nobody cared about this match by the end of the match. And then here's another thing too. I mean, you just buried Orton. I'm going to bury Mysterio. I don't like WWE Mysterio and I never have. It's the same old shit every time with this guy. Take a beat down for fucking eight minutes. Win with a fucking roll up. I can't take it. It's boring. I cannot take this story that they've been telling with Rey Mysterio Jr. since 2000 and fucking, when did he come in the company? Five? Uh, two, 2002. Two? Okay. He came that, or he was that, or that early. I know he didn't come yeah, right SummerSlam, after. Yeah, SummerSlam 2002 was his, uh, his no, debut. No, no, 
They've been telling this fucking story with this guy on and off for 16 fucking years. We get it. He's small. We get it. He's an underdog. He takes a beating and then wins on a fucking... That's what this finish was. Like a fucking roll-up or a schoolboy, whatever the fuck it was. Okay? It's boring. My least favorite Rey Mysterio is WWE Rey Mysterio. It's been the same story for 15 years. I like early career fucking Lucha Rey Mysterio. I got all the fucking VHS tapes going out of my way when he was all the rage, 1993, 1994. Okay? WCW slash ECW Rey Mysterio when he took the world by storm. That's my favorite Ray, right there. WCW wrestling, you know Eddie Guerrero and and Dean Malenko and and the cruiserweight stuff that was blowing everybody's minds and and he yeah, was revolutionary, just, just crazy at the time. And, yeah, and the ECW, a couple of ECW matches he had where I was in that fucking crowd. That's my favorite era of Ray because he was more refined than he was when he was sixteen. You know what I mean? And he, and you know and he was wrestling great opponents and all that. Then late stage WCW Ray without the mask. We all would like to forget about that. I don't think anyone's going to defend that. Okay. And then you have WWE Ray Mysterio. Oh, there's one other. And then it's like uh veteran Lucha Ray Mysterio, which I don't mind at all. That's fine too. Like, like modern Ray Mysterio in the Lucha setting as like the legend. That's great. I have no problem. Yeah, with that. Like the all in where what, what, his, his role at all in or whatever being, you know, Bandito's yeah. veteran hand or whatnot. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have WWE Ray Mysterio, which is a big chunk of his career. And I, I never liked it. I was never into it. It's the same shit over and over. It's a boring, reductive story. I'd rather have you tell me a story of this guy's little, but he has fight and he has heart. And and, and he doesn't – it's not that he just wins on a banana peel or fucking gets beat up the whole match and then uh, does a roll-up. Just have him be you know, more cunning throughout than the opponent. You know, it's like the story is always Randy Orton, like this match, Randy Orton dominates him, beats him up for 10 minutes. Uh, Mysterio wins with a roll up, slides out of the ring and backs up the ramp because he's even shocked that he won. And and Orton is angry because he yeah, grabs his head. He also does the thing where he grabs his the head, head while the referees. Yeah. yeah, while the referee's raising his hand, he grabs his head. Oh, my God, I can't believe yeah. we did it. His, his, I can't the bottom believe of his he, mask is usually like on, you know, on Velcro or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Every time. Like he's surprised that he won. <laughs> I'm seeing Why should I get so behind him? Yeah. He's surprised. He's even surprised. Why would I get behind him? Right. And Orton, Orton doesn't look bad. He's like slapping the mat. Like, oh, I can't believe I let that one get away. He didn't get beat. He got upset. Like, can't Ray just beat people? Wouldn't it work better? I'm just so tired of Ray Mysterio and the way he's used in WWE. And it's not really his fault. He goes out there and does his job. He had the same match with Randy Orton at, at fucking Crown Jewel without the chairs. It's yeah. the same fucking match. So again, well, the they, first they had the same match in 2005 too. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you were mentioning earlier, that's that's during the Ray title reign when he was having these type of matches with Orton too. So yeah, it, it, it's it's been a long time that we've seen this kind of same story. And so. I got people telling me, "Oh, what are you talking about? The psychology? It's garbage. It's, it's been the same match for fucking ten years, <laughs> and it wasn't good then. I can't take it. And you know, I did a little research. I did a little research to see oh. is Joe Lanza the crazy one. Okay, because I can't fathom anyone like like like. Uh, oh, look, everyone's got their own opinions. Okay, so I went to the old Grapple app, Rich. Now I might be on the uh, low side of things with my one rating. Okay, now granted, the average rating for Orton Mysterio is two point two seven. So I think like I'm on the right side here. No one fucking like like. Did, did, like did the consensus is this was a pretty fucking shitty match. Am I out of my mind? I mean, it no, it was like it was boring like as fuck. Yeah, no, it was boring as fuck. Yeah, I hated it. And for the uh, 
Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot roleplay accounts who decided to beat us up on Twitter for uh, picking on that match. The uh, which I gave a uh, I wanted to give zero stars, but you can't. Oh, do we? Do that I didn't even old... see those in the mentions. I didn't even see that. Oh yeah, we got we, we had, got uh, the, you upset the Ruby Riot roleplay accounts. Yes, yes, we did. We upset the uh, Divas fans were coming at us because I said the match was shit. Um, the grapple app average on that one is two point one two. So uh, nobody liked this shit. So. Um, I felt better after uh, grabbing the consensus. Now the cage match inmates. Are you a fan of the inmates, Rich? Oh, of course. I always, I was. Yeah. What do they have to say? Well, uh, those matches don't even have ratings on oh. them because no one fucking bothered. So this <laughs> fantastic, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this fantastic stuff. psychology that we saw in this Randy Orton Ray Mysterio match, no one could even be bothered to rate it. So um, same for the uh, Natalia Ruby Riot match. So and there were several other matches on this uh, show that were rated. But anyway, that's your first half. Uh, the, the cage match inmates, Rich, they went uh, 5.38 on the SmackDown Triple Threat Tag Team, which I think is fair. Remember, this is uh, out of 10. So, uh, And they went uh, 5.25 on – oh, sorry. That's, the, uh, that's, that's a different match. Okay. The only one cage match rated was the SmackDown three-way tag title match mm-hmm. in the first half of the show. They gave it a firm average rating of 5.38. Meltzer went three and a quarter. And he went three and a quarter on uh, Finn McIntyre. Um, look, the first half of this show, not good. I thought it was terrible. I thought we were off to an awful start. The Finn Drew McIntyre match—that's the kind of match where, if it's on the first, it's if it's on like the first half of a show that's otherwise really strong, it's a good addition. Right, right, right. right. But if it's the best match on on a show or the first half of a show, you're in trouble because it's like it's like a really average match is like, you know, the top match so far on a show. Whereas it really should be like, you know, like a decent filler match on an otherwise good show. So anyway, I don't know. First half of this show, I don't know what the fuck everyone else saw that I didn't, but it, I at least wanted us to lay out our points as to why we didn't like the first half of this show. And um, look, you know, people are free to disagree, of course, but... um you know, I'm 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 not seeing it unless for some reason you fucking loved that tag team three way and fucking loved Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. I don't see how the first half of this show could be considered anything but fucking terrible. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Other than yeah, maybe the, maybe they're like, do you love that women's tables match or whatever? But yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you know, look, look. I, I I searched for consensus. Yeah. I would I I would be the first person to say, you know what, Rich, I'm in the minority here. I yeah. do that all the time. We're going, we're going to talk about that here in a bit, too, for, for yeah. two matches that I think we both are in the minority of. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. All right. So now we've got the second half of the show, which I thought was just exponentially better than the first half, starting off with Ronda Rousey defeating Nia Jax. My Rousey, fucking incredible in this match. And uh, again, Nia Jax is just a tub of shit. She's useless. She's really and bad. Yeah, she's, she's, really she's and I've been saying bad. that too. Like you hurt people and you're not good at, at all. Like you had to get yeah. led through this match. And Rousey, thank God. I mean, she did everything in this match to make this one good. Everything. And after Orton and Mysterio killed the crowd, Ronda Rousey had the crowd at a fever pitch for this fucking thing coming down the stretch. I mean, yeah. she found a way to not only turn this into a uh, a very good match with, with Nia Jax of all people, but to rally the crowd a, a behind her too, which is uh, always something uh, that I appreciate in, in, in a wrestler. And, and, you know, um, you can't say enough. I mean, she's just, she's been tremendous 
from a bell to bell perspective, um, way better than I would have ever imagined that she could have been. And they're not really protecting her. They're not going out of their way to put her in there with super workers or there. She's not out there having three minute matches. I mean, She's part of the roster, and she's just yeah. out there wrestling. I, I, I thought this match in particular was one that we and we kind of touched on a little bit in our preview last week. Is is this was like a huge test for me of like, all right, what can you do with this one? Because like, yeah, it's great when you and you know whoever can you and Charlotte have you know or you and Becky or, or, or whoever like whoever you, you want to name like you know you have your months and your weeks to kind of plan a match and make sure it's all right. Even the Nikki Bella match was one that you know probably exceeded expectations, but they had been working on and working on and working on. This is one that like, and I know that they you know. Every Ronda match, she gets a little bit of extra time to kind of work on these matches, which, again, people get upset about. I don't care. I don't, you know, I just want the matches to be good. I don't give a shit if you have to spend time practicing them or whatever. That's fine with me as long as they're good and as long as they're they're entertaining and they, they are with her. So maybe they should start doing that up and down the card a little bit more is having people, you know, go off the road just so they can uh, get ready for their matches in the big spots or whatever. But uh, regardless, yeah, this was a huge test for me because this is one of the least the least talented women that they have on the roster and someone who can actively detract from a match in, in Nia Jax, someone who can actively derail a match. And I thought she did nothing to the sort because I think Ronda kind of was able to control everything and kind of keep it all together. So I think it was a huge test for Ronda and she passed with, with flying colors. Daniel Bryan defeats, I'm sorry, the new Daniel Bryan. I blew the bit uh, right out of the gate. I'm sorry, Rich. The new Daniel Bryan defeats AJ Styles in a match that Dave Meltzer went four and three quarter stars on. I think Dave is, uh, you know, uh, a little aggressive there. Okay. Um, okay. Cause okay. Cause I, I watched this match. I, I missed this one in real time. So I had to go back and watch this one. So I watched this one this afternoon. Um, and when it was done, I went to the observer and I went, Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> that's uh okay. That's a little more than I would have gone. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not alone in thinking that that was a while. I, I like this match a lot. I think it was very good. I've seen a lot of people throw lots of roses on it. One of the best WWE matches of the year. I didn't think it was anywhere near that level. I thought it was a very good match. And and that's kind of where I end with it. I don't know. I've seen a lot of people think this is something incredible. And I, I don't know. It just didn't reach that level for me at all. I we, we probably should have closed the segment with Dave's rating instead of opening it. Because now it's going to sound like we didn't like the match. I really right. like this match. <laughs> I really did. I really, really did. Yeah. I, I, I well, thought no, just, it's not even just Dave too. We're not even doing like Dave pick on. Like I've seen a lot of people mention this as one of the best WWE pay per view matches of the year, and I don't think it was anywhere near that. Listen, when Dave likes something, he really fucking likes something, and that's cool. I think more people should be that way, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I think this is a scenario where Dave really liked something and just went crazy. Like, but, but I did, I really liked the match too. I mean, I, I, it's like the new Daniel Bryan was very good here. I I love the new Daniel Bryan's heel character that he's got going on. And I like that they just went out there and he's got a new persona too, which is interesting too. It's a new sort of ideology. Yeah. It's a new Daniel Bryan. And and, and you can tell that because he's kind of, he's, he's doing things new. Yes. Um, and, and, and different than what he did before. So in, yeah, in some ways you can call him new, I, I think is a good way to describe it. And, and, and they did, they let you know that, you know, he's got kind of a new attitude and, and, you know, he likes there the is environment a- and ew, gross. Like, I love that this heel is, I like the environment. Boo. <laughs> you pollute the world. Boo. <laughs> yeah. You're a nice like, guy. Boo. Yeah. Boo. You, you suck. It's like, and all the, uh, you know, while it's like 
fucking 55 degrees and it's four days before christmas here in chicago like, yeah i walked out without a jacket we played basketball outside but here's this just asshole that. Like, telling me about the environment so it's not even just the environment it's like all those he loves his wife and daughter boo yeah, boo. yeah you know, like, like, takes that's care of his body and knows what's in his no. knows what he's eating. He doesn't eat processed meat. This asshole. I hate him. But you know, Vince is just like, ah, damn it, just eat the meat. You know, Mr. Yeah. Steak and Ketchup Rap guy really fucking hates. Yeah. <laughs> New Daniel well, Bryan. Well, Otis is in luck. You know, with the yeah, steak. that's true. Oh, yeah. oh my God, he's going to love Otis. Yeah, but... um. Yeah, no, I think, a... yeah, the, the new Daniel Bryan's got a nice vibe to him. I'm loving the style of work. It's interesting that they're kind of letting him work, and it was it was awesome to see Styles be able to kind of finally have a match and have a you know really not have to have a match centered around you know hitting people in the nuts. So it was good to see them kind of open up a little bit. So that 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 is definitely a positive for sure. Yeah, there was there was a dramatic point towards the end there where the new Daniel Bryan had uh, had had AJ Styles in the uh, in the yes lock. And uh, 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 you know, uh, it's not the S lock anymore, Joe. Oh, Did you watch no, the wait, promo? What? What? Yeah. This is a new Daniel Bryan. He doesn't use the yes lock anymore. So what is the new Daniel Bryan calling? Uh, I think he calls uh, yes. it the. Uh, he's back to calling it the label lock, I believe. So. Oh. Okay. Back to the label lock. Yeah. For the new Daniel Bryan. Because what's new is old. As someone That's someone right. I mean, he used to call it the label lock, but. Um. Yeah. Good match, though. I think I went. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I went four flat on the new Daniel Bryan versus versus AJ. Yeah, that's that, okay. That's that's exactly where I probably have it. Okay, well, I've I've news for you uh, on the Grapple app, Rich. Yes. The match average is three point nine nine. So once mm. again, Joe Lanza, an accurate star raider, and Rich Krejci nailing it on the head as well with the four. So uh, our our you know. We were right. Dave is kind of like uh, really liking that match, probably a little more than the uh, the consensus there. Uh, the cage match inmates, Rich, uh, went eight point three seven, which wouldn't that be right about you know four? Yeah, I'd say yeah, four? that's probably about four or so. Yeah, because nine I would consider about yeah yeah no, I think that's probably about accurate. All right, close enough. As we we move on to <sighs> Dean Ambrose defeats Seth Rollins to win the WWE Intercontinental title. This match was loaded with mind games. <laughs> this is a very cerebral match. Uh, the match time I'm reading says 23 minutes, but I'm pretty sure it was 223 minutes for Dean Ambrose to defeat Seth Rollins. I know you fucking hated this, and I agree that it felt very, very long. Um, but I don't know. I didn't hate it as much as everyone else seems to hate it. Um, was it way too long? Yes. Was it very boring for certain stretches? Yes, it was. Uh, did they tell us? Here's the important thing. <laughs> right. Here's did they the attempt to tell a story that the crowd just did not want to to be told? Yes. I mean, the crowd was chanting, this is boring. Yeah. Did they do a bad um, job of telling the story that they wanted to tell? Yes. See, here's the thing. I'll differ <laughs> slightly there. Okay. I I think How? they did. I'll tell. I'll explain it. I think they did a good job telling their story. I just think no one gave a fuck. But about what's their story? story though? What's their story? It's a, it's a shitty story. Okay. The story was Seth was going to break Dean, right? But Dean ended up breaking Seth in the end. Right. But did the build play to that story? Well, clearly not. 
No, and that, 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 that's the problem then. Like, the yeah. build well, I mean, was... The, the promo's I mean, kind of built to that. I mean... Hey, listen, I'm not... Listen, I'm not debating that... This doesn't... The, it's not... It cannot be a headlock match. It cannot be a methodical mind games match when you say that, ahead, yeah, it's good that our friend got cancer. Because it's because it, it, if one of the men says, yeah, it's good that our friend had cancer, and I turn on you because you're ruining my career, and I'm throwing everything away that we've ever done, and I'm turning on you again because you're, you know, ruining... You've been holding me back and ruining my life. It, this is a blood feud. This is a grudge match. This This is slap, punch, kick, shove, power moves defeat you want to beat the man as quickly as you can you want to embarrass right. the other guy you want to beat him down and and prove that you are the superior man that you are the right man that you are you know in Seth Rollins's case defending your your best friend in Roman Reigns or whatnot that's what this match is for this match is not I'm gonna grind him to a halt and grind him into dust with a headlock and see if he can turn and play the mind games like that's not the story at all if you want to play you could in a vacuum like this what my thing with this match in a vacuum it was fine it was okay but the story that they wanted to tell the story that the build was telling and then the story that they gave you that it, it, it was just a complete disconnect and we knew that because 10 minutes into the match the crowd was shitting on it and then proceeded to shit on it for the next you know 20 minutes or whatever so the, yeah. it, it, it just yeah it like in a vacuum Yes, it probably was fine. And in a vacuum, the story they tried to tell, they did a decent job of telling it. It was just not the right story for these guys. And it just didn't, it obviously didn't connect with the audience on any level whatsoever either. No, I mean, the crowd fucking hated it. it look, the match was a failure. Um, th- there's no question about it. Now, mechanically, I thought it was fine. I thought the work was fine, but it, the match was boring and it, and it was an absolute failure. So again, it's not like I'm out here defending it as a good match i can't you can't call a match that fails that miserably um you know a a good match and i'm with you it's the wrong story for this feud which is probably why it didn't connect with the crowd because like you say this can't be a game of like mental fucking this can't be like uh, a mental game being played out as physical chess when they should want to destroy each other. Right. Seth Rollins looks like a fucking geek by just being like, oh, whatever, man. Let's let's see if I can beat you in a wrestling match. You know what I mean? Like, no. He he, he needed to just charge at Dean as quickly as possible and just try to get his fucking hands on this guy and beat the hell out of him. Like, that's the story that you need to be telling, not the I'm going to play mind games with you type thing. That, that cannot be that story. He should have came out wearing the old shield Roman gear and just attacked this motherfucker before the bell. That's what you're saying. Like right. one of those matches where he just goes right at him before the introductions. And right, they gotta a, pull him away. The refs have yeah. to like get him because he's just seething and, and 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 foaming at the mouth. He can't wait to wait to get to this guy. But that wasn't and what it was at all. Hot fucking thirteen minute brawl, right? And he just loses his composure. And and you can even have Dean win. He just loses his composure, and Dean just outsmarts him in the end. And if you want to keep it going, like the way that they're apparently doing, um. You know, but yeah, this whole thing where Seth is smug and I'm going to break this guy mentally because his game is mental and I want to prove to him that I could be mental. Like, that doesn't work for this feud. You're absolutely right about that. But I I think they went out there and executed the match they wanted to execute. I just think the, the crowd rightfully shit on it. Is it making sense what I'm saying? So I that's get it. Why I get it. That's why I'm not as hard on them as as other people are. I think... You know, it's like because we've seen situations where people, where guys have gone out there, and you don't even know what the fuck they're trying to do, or or the story that they tell is just botched poor, badly, and that wasn't this. It's just something that nobody wanted, and it's kind of sucked. So, yeah, this was not good, and it was really you know easily the low light of the second half of the show, 
and then we had our main event, which uh, I have no clue what you think about this match yet. So this this should be fun. It was uh, Asuka. They did the old surprise here. We thought she'd be there to drop a fall or something, but uh, she was there to take the title as uh, Becky Lynch. First of all, what about uh, Becky losing the title uh, at this point when she appears to be at her hottest? What do you think of that decision? I don't love it. I, I the thing is like I know what they're trying to do and they're trying to tell the larger story with this. They're trying to tell the story of of you know Ronda obviously being involved in it and whatever that next step is going to be, whether it be a triple threat match with Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte, or or just Becky and Ronda, or whatever whatever they end up doing. I get the larger picture. I get the larger idea, and I actually like the story they're trying to tell. I just it, it's not the time that I would have Becky lose that title. I think there's she is somebody. We say this all the time. There are certain people that need titles and certain people that don't need titles. I think Becky is a thousand times cooler and more badass with that title hanging on her shoulder. And when she's saying, I am the man and I run this thing and I do all this sort of stuff with that title slung around her shoulder, it looks fucking awesome. She's yeah. saying, I'm the man and I run this thing and there's no title near her. Eh, you know what I mean? It loses a little bit. So I, that's my one. I, I get the bigger picture idea. I'm not necessarily against the bigger picture idea that they're trying to tell. I just think I wouldn't mess with it right now. I think this formula you have with Becky right now is great. And I think she is someone that needs that title. And that title enhances her character a ton. So I would not have done that. I would have found some way to have her keep the title. Not that it wasn't a good moment for Asuka to win. And again, not that I don't understand the big picture, but I, I don't love it. I like the visual of her with the title. I think there's, it's a stronger visual and it works better with what she's saying if she's got that title around her shoulder. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this and you're going to rip me. But I'm gonna say let it play out. I, I want to see. Yeah, no, and I, like I said, I'm 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 cool with the larger story. I think. Yeah, I want. It's dangerous with this company to say let it play out. But when it comes to this Becky Lynch thing, I want to see. There could be a very good reason that they're taking this title off of her at this point. So, and here's the other thing. I mean, if it if it injects any kind of life into Asuka, that's great because she needs that desperately. And I think she could be a great addition to sort of this new style of, of women's wrestling in the company because she can mix it up in that style instead of just throwing her ass around, t- teaming with the Miz and all the other assorted nonsense they've had her doing. So I'm okay with it. Charlotte Flair delivers again. She may be the main roster wrestler of the year, uh, especially with Seth Rollins just – a wet fart in a huge match and a big rivalry. And he's had two of those this year as well. The Dolph Ziggler match. Let's not forget that too. He's had some real big wet farts this year. He's, he's, you know, he's solid between the lines, but man, the wet farts in the big spots have been pretty prominent. He's the three and three quarter star King. And he's got two really embarrassing matches on it. Important matches on his, on his resume. And it's like, he may have more good matches than Charlotte on the whole, you know, all his TV stuff and all that. But man, Charlotte peaked way higher than Seth did, like three times. Like three straight months in a row, really, uh, when you really look at it. And look, and I don't think she's a great wrestler. I think she's there's lots of things I don't like about you know her bell-to-bell. We've talked about them a lot. But there's no questioning that the last few months, her big matches on these big shows have been fucking great and have often been the best match on the show. And I don't think this was as good as the last couple big matches – um, but this was very good, and it was right there neck and neck with for me with Brian and Styles for match of the night, right around the same range. Um, and 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 you know, if, if you're someone who values peak over uh, depth when it comes to resume, 
I think you have a really good argument that Charlotte Flair has been the best wrestler on the main roster this year. What do you think of that? It's interesting. Yeah, she is definitely – those peaks have been pretty high, as you said. I, I, I think – yeah, it, if you want to say that, I think probably if, if if that's our case, and we're kind of talking about peaks, I think Ronda probably has even a better case than her. But but I, I'll listen to a Charlotte case for sure. I, I I think, and she's someone that I've never really been all that high on until this year, when I've really kind of thought that she's put a lot of it together and she's starting to deliver in those big spots, like you said. And and one thing that I noticed about this match too, and I, I wanted to bring it up before we we moved on, is how organic was this main event for women? It was just a women's main event. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't an, oh, my God, what a historic. Oh, my God, I can't believe the women are doing it. And we said that it would be so refreshing once that finally just happened, when they would just have a main event, and they would just have a main event, and nobody would talk about it, and no one would cry, and no one would be getting you know a bouquet of flowers from Stephanie McMahon. It would just happen. And that's how this was. It was like, yeah, there's no question this needs to be the main event of the show, and it was the main event of the show, and then it came and it went, and it was fine. And that's exactly what this needs to be. But I thought it was so refreshing that it wasn't hit over your head that, oh, my God, the women, they're making history in the main event so i thought that was good too because they went out there and they fucking killed it they had the best match of the entire night i thought i thought it was better than brian and, and styles i thought probably about four and a half is, is where i'm at with it i really really liked it and i thought becky played a role well i thought charlotte played a role well and i thought asuka again it's nice to see as you said her not just throwing her ass around like it's nice to see her actually be able to to kind of wrestle and do some stuff but i think charlotte really stood out uh, as far and away the best one in this match and, and she's kind of finding her niche is is a sort of women's garbage wrestler you know what i mean like she's really that yeah. might have been the the secret sauce for her maybe she's not technically sound you know like her her, her dad but she's really awesome maybe at these sort of plunder matches because we've seen her deliver big time in these l- l- let me ask you this if i said to you that charlotte versus asuka from wrestlemania do you remember the match oh yeah 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 of course if i told that match Becky Charlotte from Evolution, last woman standing. Ronda Charlotte from Survivor Series uh, with the with the DQ finish, with the kendo stick. And now this TLC match with Asuka and Becky Lynch. If I told you that those four matches were four of the top 20 matches on the main roster this year, would you argue with me? No, I don't think so. I if, I told you, if I told you they were four of the top 15 matches on the main roster... Would you argue with me? I don't think so. Yeah, main roster. If 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 it, yeah, if, if that little caveat that you said there with the main roster, no, I wouldn't. If I told you they were four of the top ten matches on the WWE main roster this year, would you argue with me? You might be taking it a little far with that because there's a few other ones that I liked, but not. I mean, three out of the four, I think for sure would, would, would I, be there for me. Yeah, I agree. I might bump the WrestleMania match. Yeah, I, I did not like the WrestleMania match as much as other people. So that's the exact one I would bump as well. The other three. Yeah, the other three you can do. Put them in there. Put them in there for sure. If you told me they were in your top 10 main roster matches of the year. And I haven't gone back and looked at my notes or anything. But if you told me those three were in your top 10, I wouldn't have a major gripe with you the, the, over the last three months here. I mean, she's finished the year very strong. Now, I don't know where you stand on the Hell in a Cell with Lynch or. She had a bunch of matches with Lynch, the uh, uh, the one in Australia. Um, forget those. You know, SummerSlam with Carmella and Becky. I didn't couldn't get into that. I mean, it's Carmella, so I'm gonna have problems with her right off the bat. But I mean, that's a hell of a year when it comes to big matches. Even if you're just looking at those four, you know. So again, week in, week out, wrestling on TV. You know, Seth Rollins is going to have more, you know, 
quote unquote good matches than Charlotte's going to have. I don't think Seth Rollins has much of anything that touches those three matches that we saw over the last three months. So, um, and I don't know who else you can really throw at me. You know, Daniel Bryan is starting to come around and have some really good, but it's late in the game. And yeah, I, I know some people might, and, and we talked about styles too. He's in no way in that run for me. Yeah. People, people bring that it. up, but I mean, some of those, I mean, a lot of the matches didn't hit me on the same level they did other people. And I'll Joe had, what, a, had a good half of the year, but yeah, there, he also yeah, got Joe kind of muddled. He's in. Another, yeah. I, let me ask you this. AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. Who do you take? Probably AJ. I think I do too. Yeah. Because I, I think I, I even with all the handicaps that they had, I think I like the AJ Knock and AJ Joe matches better than the Seth Rollins stuff. I, I mean, that sounds crazy. But it's like a lot of the like the one AJ Knock match, the one where they did the DQ, I think it was in Saudi Arabia. Didn't they do that at um, Greatest Royal Rumble? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I forget which. Yeah, you know, I think I think you're I, right. I, I like that one a lot. You know, some of the other ones, there was one that was flat out awful. It may have been, I, I get the, the, the shows mixed up. There was one really, really boring one that sucked really bad. Now, the AJ Joe matches, I thought were all pretty good. I, I thought they were all like, you know, you take away Joe being a stalker. That really wasn't all that bad. But, you know, Seth, and maybe I'm being too hard on Seth, but I feel like he shit the bed in big spots a couple of different times this year. And I don't think the matches where he did peak real high, I was never as high as everybody else. Whereas with these Charlotte matches, I'm right there with with consensus. These last three months have been great. I don't know. I just thought it'd be something interesting to bring up in terms of, because there's not a lot of different places to go in terms of main roster wrestlers this year. It's an interesting case. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at the list right now. And yeah, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm I'm looking at my list of like matches that I would probably put. I mean, it would not be completely unrealistic for my entire top five to be like Ronda and Charlotte matches. You know what I mean? Some combination of those. Like, what a year this has been. I mean, for. You got for, Ronda's for, WrestleMania match. I mean, right. You know, that's I, one of my favorite matches of the entire year. So, like, I, my, my whole top, I mean, my top five would, I, I think I would almost exclusively have women's matches. And then that mixed tag, I think, would be my top five if I really had to. But, uh, yeah, it's it's they've had an incredible year. Charlotte's been a big reason why, so it's good for her. So that is uh, your tables, ladders, and, and chairs. We didn't have a stairs match. No, no stairs this year. But but uh, yeah, it, the show as a whole. I mean, it was fine. I this idea that this was some kind of great show. I just I don't know. I you know not when you have a first half that bad. I can't call it a great show. But um, some good stuff at the back end. All right. Uh, obviously, we can move on to some other things too. We got New Japan. We got the Road to Tokyo Dome. We have the uh, Observer Hall of Fame. Uh, I kind of want to do. Do you want to do uh, our final uh, final battle right now? Yeah. While we're while we're talking major American pay per views, um, overall thoughts before I uh, get into kind of the match by match here. I I like the show a lot. I thought I, I saw some mixed reactions from people. I think it was a thumbs up show all around. I really enjoyed it from top to bottom. I think it had a good ebb and flow. There's some criticisms, and we'll talk about them when we get to the certain matches, but all in all, I had a good time watching this, and it seemed like a pretty smooth, clean you know, three and a half hours or so, but I believe you're on mute. Hello. There you are. Hey, there we go. I may have been on mute. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I thought Final Battle was a strong show, top to bottom. Um, one of the better, I think it was one of the better North American pay-per-view shows of the year, which isn't saying a ton. I mean, you don't have a ton to go to. You've got Slammiversary, you've got Evolution. I'd put in that mix. Um, I think Final Battle's right in that mix. So I, I enjoyed it. I thought... Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a few matches that are probably going to skew you in one direction or another. And that's mm-hmm. it, it's possible that you and I are thumbs up because we enjoyed a certain thing that maybe some other people didn't. And, and I could see that being the one that sways it. But yeah, all in all, like I, I, I and we'll get to the individual matches here, but I, I'm with you on the thumbs up for sure. Yeah, so uh, let's go through it match by match. We opened up with uh, Kenny King and Eli Isom. I really felt like Eli Isom should have won because why not? Um, this was weird because they actually had Kenny King pick him up it by the hair at the two count at one point, which at that point it's like, well, now Eli Isom has to win. Yeah, his- right, right, right. I was like, no, you, no. You, if you do that, that spot, that means he has to get the quick roll up or whatever and the shock win or or something. But then he just beat him. I was like, oh, that's not. But at the same that, time, but- you're taking some juice out of his win, even if he does win, because it's like the, the guy could have beaten him. So it, it was disappointing from that perspective. And King wins, and I don't know where they're going to go from here. I didn't see with the tapings, but. Uh, and I saw some people being very critical of Isom. I thought he was fine. I mean, did he did he look like fucking, I don't know, uh, you know, did he look like fucking Willow Spray out there? No, but he looked fine for a guy making his pay-per-view debut. Yeah, he's got, I mean, he's got a long and, way to go. He's got a long way yeah. to go, but that's fine. Yeah, he was definitely, you know, could, he could get it done. I mean, yeah, there's obviously some refinement and, and some uh, changes that have to go, and, and he's got to obviously get a, another level. But, yeah, he's got to make his pay-per-view debut. I think he was fine for that spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, he's definitely a guy who, in a company that isn't exactly loaded with a bunch of good young wrestlers, he's a guy that I think has some potential. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to be headlining WrestleMania anytime soon, but um, I don't know. I didn't hate this. I thought it was a perfectly fine opener. Did it blow me away? Absolutely not. Was it a perfectly fine two and three quarter star match? Yes. Um, I, I just didn't like, uh, you know, the person who won the match. I, I really would have just. Fuck it. I mean, what what are you losing by beating Kenny King? Right. right. You know? So then we had uh, Jeff Cobb successfully defending the ROH World Television title against Adam Page. And I fucking love this. Oh, my God. I was about to interrupt you to say I fucking loved it. This match was great. We we have not talked about this, uh, you and I. I love this match. This is my favorite match on this entire show. This fucking match. Not only was this match fucking awesome, but Jeff Cobb was so over. A fucking and star. He, he you know, you've been waiting for him to be a star. He was a goddamn star. star. This felt like the crowd. Like they all said, "ROH needs us. They need a star. Let's make Jeff Cobb a star right now." Because he came up because he came out and he had this aura of a star. I don't know why. Like he's a guy who who, who struggles with that sometimes. And the ROH's crowds can kind of always sometimes be kind of in between. But they made a conscious effort that hey, tonight Jeff Cobb's a made man. We're gonna make this dude a yeah. fucking man tonight. And they did. He was such a fucking man. God, he was awesome. This was the best match of Jeff Cobb's career, number one. Not even um, close. And, not even close and, either. Not, and, and, that, and listen, and I saw the Bola final. This was better than the Bola final. Right? Yeah. I, I, it, this was a better match than the Bola final. And this was so good, and he was so over, that as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, they need to call a giant Baba Audible right now. <laughs> come out at the main. And he needs to come out and beat Jay Lethal for the title after Jay Lethal beats Cody, or he needs to insert himself in that match and make it a three-way and win it. And they need to make him the centerpiece of the company right now. That's how awesome he looked. And that's how awesome he came across as a mega star. Thanks to this crowd in this match. And Adam page, give him credit. He's on his way out of the company. And this 
is how you make a guy on the way out. Yeah, because he was. We, we talked about this. We, and I think this entire show, and it'll be kind of a theme of the show, is I think all those guys went out exactly how they should go out. And this, it, I thought Paige did the best job of it because he he had some hope spots here and there, but at the end of the day, he made Jeff Cobb look like a million fucking bucks on the way out, which is perfect. That's what you need to do. It needs to be a clean win. It doesn't need to be a send off and a bow and all that sort of stuff. You go out there, you have a good last match, you lay down to the guy who's the next level, the, the, the next star of the company, the next guy on, and then you move on, you walk out the door. That's exactly Pro Wrestling 101. And it shocked people. I mean, I saw on Twitter people like, oh my God, I can't believe Paige lost it. That's how it's supposed to be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, that's how it's supposed to be, is the way we saw right here. This is what you're supposed to do on the way out. But it's yeah. unique to people. People aren't used to this. The follow up ski, and we'll see what they do. But yeah, as far as the elite goes, say what you want. They definitely went out like professionals here and did everything they were supposed to do. And uh, we'll see what they do with Cobb moving forward. But I fucking love this match. I think I went four and a half. Um, yeah, I was right there too. Great back and forth, hot action throughout. It just went 15 minutes, Joe. Can you imagine this match went 15 minutes? I thought this thing went like five minutes the way they were working. It, it did yeah, not yeah. feel like 15 I, minutes at all to I me agree. whatsoever. Just an awesome match. A go out of your way to see it um, kind of match for sure. And and my favorite match on the show. As we have the uh, ROH Four Corners Survival, the title is finally off of Sumi Sakai. Kelly Klein is your new champion. Karen Q and Madison Rain were also involved in this. This was, I mean, it was fine. I don't know. Um, I what do you want me to say? Like, it, <laughs> it wasn't it, that it, fine. It, it was pretty bad. It, I, <laughs> it pretty then bad, you do it then because I'm not it, doing it. Uh, doing it. I, a not very good match that was eventually over. <laughs> Kelly Klein won. Thank, I just thank God there's a new champion there. So uh, maybe now we can sort of move forward with Women of Honor, but uh, we'll see. I didn't know. I didn't know that Kelly Klein wasn't under any kind of contract, and supposedly now that she is, so maybe that had something to do with her not winning it initially in that weird match in New Orleans. I don't fucking know. Yeah, who knows? This it's All been I kind know. of uh, the whole Women of Honor thing. As you said, we talked Sorry. about it last week. Once Tennille kind of that thing didn't work out, and obviously she's having her health issues, they don't fucking know what to do now with this thing. They have like a very odd little roster here, and no one's really that good on the roster. It's 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 bizarre. It, it, in a world where there's a ton of good women's wrestlers, somehow they've managed to just kind of have like a bunch of okay to bad ones. So I, yeah, it, it. We'll see. I don't know. This match was. It was fine for what it was, but yeah, hopefully there's better times ahead for the women, it's a, women of honor. But it, it's a bad division. I mean, it's, it's the it's the low light anytime it's on TV, and it's the low light of every pay per view. It's a bad division, and um, I, I I don't know because it's like there 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 is a lot of talented uh, you know women out there. It's like I guess Impact went out and got Jordan Grace after all in. But she was floating around out there for a long time. Progress brought in Jordan Grace. Uh, you know, once they realized that a lot of their women were going to be hindered by the WWE contracts, and it's just a, you know ring, ring of Honor. I mean, and up until recently, they've gotten aggressive now because their backs are against the wall. They just haven't been aggressive, and that that goes for the women's roster too. So, um, and, and, and to be fair, they did get unlucky with Tennille, uh with Tennille Dashwood. You know, you, you can't predict health issues. Um, but yeah, this wasn't good. As we move on to Zack Sabre Jr. and Jonathan Gresham, uh, I thought this was very good. I thought, uh, now look, it ended a little abruptly, but for this style of wrestling, you got to live with that. I think that the style of wrestling that Zack Sabre Jr. and Jonathan Gresham set out to do here, you're not always going to get a dramatic closing stretch in that kind of match. So 
that just comes with the style. So I didn't I didn't ding them for that the way that some other people did. Um, but Meltzer went four flat. That's around where I am with it. I think I went three and three quarters. I enjoyed it. And sometimes this style loses me. This did not. I wasn't bored watching this. What did you think of Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jonathan Gresham? Yeah, really, I, I, I liked it. And and you are going to get, like, and I, and I saw some of that criticism too, the abrupt ending, but that's, and, and I don't mind that. I like that part of that style. I like the idea, and it's good to sort of present that this match can end at any point. Like, someone can hit a submission five minutes in, 10 minutes in, 11 minutes in, or whatever, and it can end the match right then and there. So I, I enjoy that aspect of it. So I'm glad that they kind of did that and they established that that's kind of what you're going to get. And, and, and all told, I, I thought it was good. I thought Gresham looked pretty solid. I thought Zack Sabre Jr. came off again like a star, and he's a guy. That, that they're going to start booking a lot more going forward, which I think is a great idea. So I liked it. I'm probably about three and three quarters with it, or maybe not quite a four. But I, I, you know, no, it wasn't great. No, it's not like go out of your way. Like the Jeff Cobb Adam Page is a go out of your way to watch. This one's not that. But I, you know, there's worse ways to spend 12 minutes of your life. Like I think they did a pretty good job, all told. And and, and I like the story kind of that got told throughout the match, too. And I think Zack Sabre Jr. winning was the right call, too. And I think Gresham looked okay in defeat as well. It, it, he doesn't look like a like a, a a geek because he lost to Zack Sabre Jr. It's fucking Zack Sabre Jr. Like he should lose to Zack. So I, I, I like that aspect of it. And I think they, they, they played it up well. And I and and I think they've done a good job of of sort of showing this style now to this crowd and hopefully moving forward we see a little bit more of it because i think it adds a nice variety to to these roh shows for sure well this show i mean that's a point i was going to make later but there's a ton of variety on this show there was a little bit of everything um you know between the grapple fuck match the the cob page just fucking 15 minute sprint the um the, the plunder match with, with Bully Ray and Flip Gordon, the ladder war main event. I mean, there was just a lot of variety on this, and, and that adds to why I thought this was such a fun show. But next we had Matt Taven against Dalton Castle. Uh, this was really boring until the release of the balloons, and then not so coincidentally after that, the match picked up Rich <laughs> You're gonna be the last one. Mark for those balloons. <laughs> You're gonna be the last one on the king. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine leaving the station. It. You're gonna get okay, left behind. Okay, it can go. Bye. The, the balloons. Everyone pops for the balloons, Rich. Those <laughs> balloons get released, and you know that action's coming. Okay. <laughs> the match picked up after that, and I gotta tell you, they really saved it. Um, this was well on its way to being a terrible match. But in all seriousness, after the, the, the release of those balloons. This thing really took off, and um, they, they, they saved it from being an awful match to what I thought was a perfectly acceptable match to put over Matt Taven as as someone who, look, at some point he's carrying around the fake world title. They're protecting yeah. him in the booking. I, I don't love Matt Taven, okay, but they're going to push him, and he keeps winning matches, you know, and they, we just talked about that earlier. And Dalton Castle's a guy coming off the injury. He's very clearly still banged up. Oh, my God, so, he looks terrible. I, I... – this was sad to watch because Dalton is a guy who I think, you know, when, when he was on, he was great. He was really good. He could, he was capable of having some really solid matches. He looks terrible. I wish he just would, he might just be wise to just kind of hang it up. I mean, like he couldn't move. He looked like he was overweight. Like, I don't mean to be like hate on the guy. I mean, he had, he's had one injury after another and it's his body's just completely breaking down. But it's, this was sad. I mean, this is not the Dalton Castle of old. And, and I don't know that working regularly is going to make him get to that point too. And he's all bandaged up and he's got, you know, half his body has fucking braces on it. It's just like, Oh boy, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, I, I, I felt sorry for him in this match. I felt like, and he, he felt very 
slow too. He did not look like the Dalton Castle of old. So I don't know how this is going to work out uh, moving forward, unfortunately. So you had Marty Skrull versus Christopher Daniels, number one contender match. Marty Skrull wins this. I think I was the high man on this. I enjoyed the fuck out of this. This was, to me, two solid professionals having a solid professional wrestling match. I will take a match like this all day, every day. Really enjoyed it. I saw a ton of people super confused because I watched live and the live reactions sort of uh, on Twitter and things like that. People were surprised that Christopher Daniels, you know, just lost this one clean or whatever. And it's like people are surprised now when someone just does a clean job, presumably on the way out, which is right. what the story was that they were telling. Because pro wrestling does such an awful job now of telling those very simple stories. Now, at the taping, he got a new contract and they, you know, whatever the fuck. But the story they were telling on this at night. Some of this match, yeah, on this night at this time, he was out. This was his life and death. If he lost this match, he's done. If he wins it, he gets a contract or whatever he you know he gets his world title maybe not a contract he gets his world title shot so he's at least there for another day so that's yeah we didn't know what was going to come later but now I'm, I'm with you I, I liked it a lot yeah you like the match too i did too yeah i thought yeah. daniels played his role I, I i think he's so good i like that now he's sort of leaning into this veteran role and i think that was it, it worked well because he's this kind of cagey veteran that that's only got you know this is his lifeblood like if he loses this it's all over like he's yeah. done in this company he's he's put his blood sweat and tears in this company from the moment it opened and and, and marty is as the villain like and he was kind of leaning into that a little bit too and he's sort of we're starting to see marty kind of grow a little bit from the elite guys too and and obviously that that you know occurred even more in the, in the tapings and i like that aspect of him he's starting to kind of refine his character a little bit and start to get his place in ring of honor he's starting to feel like he's a little different than all of them and they feel obviously because He's still under contract and will still be there for a little while. And, and I like that they're kind of doing a little bit more with him. And it feels like he's got something, you know, he's got something to sink his teeth into. And that's good. And and, and I've mentioned this many times. And, you know, we'll talk about it, at, you know, at, in, in the final few matches here. But those elite guys, like, it was great that they were there. And obviously the business was good. But it felt like a cloud over ROH. It felt like nobody could really do anything. Nobody could really move. And now with those guys kind of on the way out, it was nice to see this match was exactly as you said, Daniels loses kind of on the way out, quote unquote, and Marty just wins. And it's like, okay, cool. We now have a very obvious number one contender in Marty Scroll. He beat Christopher Daniels and now he deserves it. And now he's kind of ready. And now I, I like that. It's nice, clean storytelling. And, and we're starting to get that again from Ring of Honor. We're starting to get this hierarchy and people moving up and stuff, which is good because it's been so many years of complacency because just fuck it, book the Bucks and, and Omega and, and Cody and, and Okada and let's let's have a great show here. Whereas this felt like the first time ROH was was, was, was kind of having their own they're starting to build their own stuff organically a little bit now. And that's, that was kind of refreshing to see. And I thought Marty was, was at the top of that. And this is Marty just wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's not flapping his wings. He's not looking for powder under the ring. He's not fucking doing shtick. And when he goes out there and wrestles, and if he's with a guy like this, he can have good matches like this. And he's a guy they're going to push moving forward. He formed a stable at the tapings with PCO and Brody King. Uh, you can make the argument that maybe they should have formed that stable on the pay-per-view. Um, Rich, I'll ask you before we get through the other matches, do you think Final Battle was disappointing from a surprises or major happening standpoint when this was a company that this was clearly a transition? So did they not pound it into the viewers' brains enough that they were transitioning to new things? And maybe should have they have done some of those angles here instead of on TV? I think so. I think there at least should have been maybe maybe not the full angle of 
who these guys are aligned with, but appearances of those guys. I think it would have been a great idea to have, even in the undercard, PCO just beat somebody, you know, beat some jobber up real quick, have Birdie King come out and, and do something, beat somebody real quick. I think just seeing those guys and knowing, oh, okay, this is a real change of the guard. These guys are in, these other guys are on the way out. I think that would have probably been wise. I mean, there was already a ton of matches on the show, but I think there would have been a way to fit a few of those guys that were debuting in. So I don't totally love that they only debuted on the TV. I think this would have been a good opportunity too. I think... I don't hate what they did by debuting them on TV and having them join and doing all that sort of stuff. I just think it would have been a little bit more impactful if they if they appeared on this pay-per-view. So I, I, I do agree with the people that said that. You get more buzz if you do it here. Exactly, right. They don't have to join. They don't have to make this unit. But PCO arrives. Brody King arrives. And I think the problem, too, is people knew that. And once the word got out that these guys were going to be here, I think it may have been wise to then try to figure out a way to get them on the show in some form or fashion, whether it's backstage, whether it's just, as I said, a quick squash match, something to make or it obvious the that these guys are in. Yeah, or do it here. Yeah, or, you know, this is this is where you get your biggest eyeballs. The TV is good, and the TV is fine, and like, but everybody's talking about this. Everybody's gifting this. Everyone's looking at this. You know what I mean? Like this is the good opportunity to do it versus the TV where it's so ROH has great, you know, they have great reach in terms of TV, but then sometimes you don't get it or sometimes it doesn't air. They, they air no the wrong buzz. episode. That's, or, one thing yeah, is it's just, no buzz. the buzzle meter is nothing. Yeah. You, you, buzzle meter zero. Binge, yeah. And, and that's, whereas you got eyes, you got captive eyes here on this pay-per-view on Friday. Just do it now. Just do it. You know, have them come up now, do the angle if you need now. But I think some appearance of those two guys would have been a good idea on this pay-per-view. So I, I agree with the people that made, that made that complaint. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, everyone knows the elites leaving. You did nothing really to, to on this show to tell people, all right, here's what we're pivoting to. Here's the new direction of the company going into the, going into next year. So I, I do think that's a valid complaint as we had flip Gordon, defeating bully Ray in the, I quit match. Rich, I fucking love this. Oh, this yep. So okay, this is the one that I think I, if, if you don't like this match, you probably don't think Final Battle is that great. But if you love this match yeah. as much as I did, Joe, I don't know that I've seen a match in the last few months that I enjoyed more than this one. And I don't mean in terms USA, of like... USA! Right, in terms of like technical USA. stuff. In terms of technical and this and that, Woo! yada, 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 whatever. Yeah, there, there, there was probably better stuff. But I, I was smiling ear to ear during this match. It like, it was perfect 1995 1996 ECW that's exactly what I thought it was I would have thought Paul Heyman walked in those doors and said here's what we're going to do for this match they they called Paul and said hey we got this like quitch match between Bully and Flip how do you want us to do it like essentially Flip is basically Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray is kind of like Raven how do you want to book this match and then he said "All right, here's what you do and they did exactly that they played all of those strings of 95 96 ECW do a fucking T and it was perfect that it happened in Hammerstein too I thought I loved it. It It felt so much like a throwback match. This was absolutely that. This was Paul Heyman getting a limited wrestler over by hiding their weaknesses. The crowd was fucking molten for this. Uh, Flip Gordon doing it for the troops. Doing it for America. He's got the babe. He's got the babe. He's got the babe. He's got the uninterested babe who looked like she wanted to be anywhere but Hammerstein. (laughs) I was wondering. So I didn't didn't know that that was because I watched this later. I had no idea who this this girl was. So then when they showed her in like the prior matches, I'm like, holy shit, that girl's like, you know, she's a very attractive woman. And I was like, what is this very attractive woman doing by herself at this front row of this wrestling show? And she doesn't look like she's enjoying any aspect of this no. for the first few hours. And then Ian was like, ah, oh, you might have noticed the uh, uh, attractive woman in the front row. And I was like, oh, thank you, Ian. Because he's like, you know, that's yeah. not Flip Gordon's. And then it made all the sense in the world. And then I was like, oh, okay, perfect. She's going to get involved in this. That's what I thought. But it was, yeah, it was kind of strange that she had to sit there during like, you know, 
but I mean, forget during the rest of the card because she emotes just a little during the angle. I mean, jeez. Uh, I, I mean, she, you know, uh, I don't know. But uh, she, she didn't do a very good job. And that's the, the risk you run sometimes using people from outside the business. Um, you know, but other than that, I mean, He's coming off the top rope with the American flag and hitting yeah. Billy oh Ray over the head. God, yeah. And I'm going, USA. And then it occurs <laughs> to me, Bully Ray is not even a foreigner. But it doesn't matter. Everyone's around the America. And this is just, it's just so it was just so silly in the right ways. It was just a lot of fun. And it's like the crowd fucking loved it for what it was. And Rich, we called it. The lights go out and the fucking Sandman. Oh my is god, there. I popped so much. I knew How it can too. You not pop for the Sandman. Yeah, I knew it too. When the lights went out, I was like, I know this is the Sandman, but it's still. And then he comes, and I still smile. You know what I mean? Like I knew it. People in the crowd are going, "Oh my god, it's Sandman! It's Sandman! It's Sandman!" Then it comes out. You still pop. Like you still can't. You know, you still pop. And I love it. You still yeah. pop. You have to pop, even though. As an old school ECW arena regular, when the lights go out, of course, my first instinct Sabu. is Sabu. Sabu, yeah. But. You know, Sandman, of course, was part of the angle, uh, you know, at the tapings. And we said they should fucking bring him back. It would be perfect. And that's exactly what they did. You nailed it in the beginning. This is the kind of match where you're just smiling ear to ear from start to finish. It doesn't matter that Flip's cane shots at the end looked weaker than Gato's chair shot on Okada a couple months ago. <laughs> they did, it, yeah. Like, <laughs> none of that matters because this was just fucking fun. Right. In all of the right way. It was just goofy. Why is he attacking Bully Ray with an American flag? <laughs> it's like Bully Ray is American, but it doesn't matter. It was just goofy and fun and 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 put closure on this thing. And at the end of the day, it all worked out. And I got to tell you, it's like I'm as sick of Bully Ray as the next guy. I hope I never see him again. I didn't even like him in 1996. There's like one year of his career that I thought he was good, and that was 2012, right before Aces and Eights. Do you remember that year right before Aces and Eights when he was Bully Ray, but he wasn't Aces and Eights Bully Ray yet? Right, he was talking shit to Brooke Hogan and stuff, and he was just being feuded with Austin evil. Aries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was that was the best year of his career, and I really thought I was like, holy shit, this guy like totally reinvented himself, and he's this is awesome. And then Aces and Eights happened, and you're like, that was it for him. And then it's like in Ring of Honor. I will say this: that he he does get genuine heat. Yeah, no. As much they, as I they play don't the story, yeah, I, I hate him, it's, but the story works perfect. It did. I gotta admit, when I was wrong, like the crowd liked it. It was awesome too to know that, like Ian's, like I hate this guy. This guy stinks. Like Colts, like fuck this. Colt I'm going Cabana, out. Like, everyone's against them. Carrie, you got Carrie getting yes. up and going. Fuck you. You're not gonna. You know. <laughs> you know. Bobby Cruz getting up there, like all the bells and whistles. And the best part about the thing about this too, and this is why I said I liked it so much, is that they didn't even give you the pretense that this was going to be anything but a bells and whistles match. Because from yeah. like the first second, it was bells and whistles, which is fine. Because these guys need to have a bells and whistles match. Bully Ray is not good. It is exactly what it needed to be. But I love the idea of all of Ring of Honor, especially on this night, on a night when Ring of Honor really has to rally everybody. It was a perfect microcosm of what this entire company should be. Is like Kerry standing up, Bobby Cruz standing up, Sinclair, like all these ROH 
originals in a lot of ways, standing up to this invader and whatnot. It was a great microcosm for kind of what the elite story has kind of been too. Lethal tried to tell the same story, and we'll, we'll talk about it a bit in the Cody match. And I don't think he did a good, as good of a job as Flip and and Cruz and and all those guys and Colt coming out and all that sort of stuff. But man, I fucking love this match. I was just smiling ear to ear. It's not a good. I don't even know how to rate it. Like I can't rate this match. I just know I really enjoyed it. I just know oh, I, was I gave smiling it four. The I gave it four stars. This yeah, okay, that, that's fine. I just enjoyed it so much, you know, and it was just a lot of fun. And it had it had fucking molten heat, and you know, and it's like I understand like people pick on the ROH booking, and I'm I'm sort of like not a super hard defender of it, but I will jump in and and kind of defend ROH booking. When you look at this show, the right people won nearly every match, with the exception yeah. of the open, and. And, and it's like, and and this feud in particular, as annoyed as we get with Bully Ray's presence, at the end of the day, it was all very well done. And and again, that the follow up will be key, and we'll see where they go with Flip. Um, I believe they should push Flip or attempt to push Flip and see if Flip catches on. There's things that Flip has to get better at. Um, but this a match like this, you know, it showed that with the right opponent, that he can have crowd connection. But um, but yeah, just a you know a fourteen minute match and a twenty minute segment that was just nothing but fun. Um, as we move on to Jay Lethal versus Cody for the ROH World Title, um, what I think happened here was it's like okay, the Cody matches against Nick Aldis at All In, it was sort of you know carried by a hot crowd and. You know, the, I think we agree that the crowd really lifted that match to a level that the work didn't beat. But because of the hot crowd, it lifted it up, and that's all part of the package. Then he has the best of three falls match with Nick Aldis, which I thought was an excellent match. And then he has this match with Jay Lethal, and it's like, to me, Cody is at his best when he's like an old-school, when he tries to do old-school shit. Right. Oh, yeah, and I think he would agree with that, too, if you asked him. Yeah, I think we're, where it falls apart for Cody is when he tries to be work rate man. Like, I, I think that's where most of the time it falls short. When he tries to keep up with modern indie style or work with guys who just are more athletic or just flat out better than him. Cody excels with the old school shit, the shit that he studied growing up, the shit that he fucking marks out for, the shit that his dad did, and, you know, uh, the shit that he saw in the territories, you know, growing up with his dad. That's the shit he excels at. This match against Jay Lethal, I don't know what it was trying to be. It, it lost me when it delved too far into the shenanigans. Brandy Rhodes with the spear spot and, um, you know, all of the other assorted bullshit. That's where I kind of waved my hands at it and said, okay, this match has officially lost me. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a terrible match. I just think no. it, it was too long and it was too much fucking bullshit and shenanigans. And to me, it ended up just being a whole lot of meh as a result. Yeah, and I think one of the huge issues was match placement and, and where it was on the card because if there was a separator between the I Quit where we got the best of the shenanigans, the best of the bells and whistles, that was your bells and whistles match. Now, you can go and you can have another bells and whistles match, but it cannot be the next match after. You know what I mean? Like, it can't be... You can't follow up that I Quit thing with another match where Adam Page runs in and the vanity thing happens and all that sort of stuff happens. If there was some other way to place that match, I think we would think a little bit different of it. I think that you can have 
this sort of style of a match, but it not follow an awesome match that hits on all cylinders in that ter- in terms of that stuff. Like you needed a few clean matches to kind of rinse the palate out a little bit before then you start getting into the bullshit. And I think that's what what sunk me on this one too. And I think even though Jay Lethal is a guy who this year I've kind of enjoyed a little bit more than I ever have, I don't think he was very good in this match either. I think he. He, he, you know, the presentation and the build of this match was how intense he was about defending Ring of Honor. And then he gets on the mic before and he's like, that's ah, my fucking company. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, and then the work didn't quite even do it. Like, yeah, he did like the five or six like suicide dives in a row. But even then he wasn't hyping the crowd up in between that. When you compare Flip Gordon getting the crowd behind him and then you oh, compare yeah. Jay Lethal getting the crowd, Jay Lethal got, has to be better at that. Jay Lethal knows that. And if you're telling the story that this guy's invading your company and you want to get him out of here, it can't just be Jay Lethal working a Jay Lethal match. And that's what it was. So I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of lost me a little bit there. Yeah, this was a, uh, I mean, even look at our staff. John Carroll was there, hated the fucking match. Sean Cedor reviewed the show, hated the fucking match. I didn't hate it. No, I didn't hate I just, it. Just did nearly nothing as much as they did, it. yeah. This was a two and a half star match that should have been a three and a half star match. I mean, I wasn't expecting this to blow my fucking doors off, but it was oh, it was an overbooked mess, and that dragged it down. So, um, Lethal retains. They've set up a number of contenders: Marty Skrull officially, uh, Matt Taven still in the mix. So, because all of the right people won the other matches, there's a lot of different ways you can go now. But uh, that's uh, goodbye for now for Cody. As we move on to the ladder wars, uh, the Briscoes come away with the titles here. We don't know what's going on with Kazarian and Sky. We do know what's going on with the Bucks. They're out of here. Um, this was uh, exactly what I expected it to be. Lots of guys going through tables, lots of blood, lots of plunder, and a lot of fun. Um, I don't know what else to say. It delivered. Yeah, I didn't love it as much as I loved prior ladder wars, and I think I had higher expectations New going was in. Better. New Orleans. Yeah, the New Orleans one was way better, and there's been better ones prior years as well. This was good. It just wasn't great. You, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like I'm putting it down, but like, I'd probably go about four stars right, right at the bat, which is really good. I mean, you know, it was a great way to cap this. I like yeah, that the Bucks came that. out with their old gear and stuff. Like, no, it all worked. Everything worked, and, and the story was told well. And I think the guys busted their ass. It just didn't reach great level at any point, which is fine. Sometimes matches are just good. It wasn't bad on any level. It just, yeah, there was. There, they've had better ladder wars in Ring of Honor. The New Orleans one, as you said, was way better than this one, but still a good way to cap, uh, you know, the pay per view. And, and I thought a pretty good performance uh, by all three teams. Everybody had their distinct feel. I like the Briscoes, and, and the commentary was playing it up really well uh, as well. Caprice, Ian, and then you know Colt kind of did the run in uh, halfway through. That the Briscoes were really not into grabbing the titles right away. They wanted to brutalize these guys. Mm-hmm. There was many opportunities where they could have, and I like that the announcers kind of vied for them there because sometimes you know you'll see that in the ladder match where the team doesn't even look like they're going for it well what those guys the announcers are saying well the briscoes would rather just brutalize guys they'd rather just beat up guys so it made sense then why they weren't calling up the ladder if that was the story they wanted to tell or not i don't know but it's good to see the announcers kind of you know back those guys up a little bit and and they oh well no they're not interested in getting titles right now they want to decimate these guys and then it works out a little bit better when they eventually do get that win and everybody else is just like laying in a pool of blood and carcass and all that sort of stuff so it worked pretty well that the briscoes just kind of decimated these two teams which again you know given the the, the uncertainty around uh, socal and censored and giving the obvious certainty of the bucks moving on i think it was a good idea to have the briscoes definitively win this because this was a yet another definitive win you know it wasn't they didn't cheat to win this. They didn't need nefarious means. They just beat the fuck out of these guys and eventually after a hard-fought match, won. So I like that. Thumbs up again. Riccoboni and Cabana are the best broadcast team. They're so good. They're so I, good. I, they're, I really enjoy them. Now, Riccoboni, I have some minor gripes, but 
on the whole, I think he's he's really good, and I, I think he cares, and I think he's uh, he, he's really a big fan, and he grew up a fan like a lot of us, you know, reading the fucking after mags, and and uh, he's an east he's a northeast guy, so he grew up on on ECW and ROH, and and um, you know, so he does a good job, and Colt is excellent. I mean, he he really is excellent in that role, and and we heard years ago, a decade ago that he was really good when they tried him out in FCW, remember? And Oh, right, whatever, yeah, 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 right. And for whatever reason, he got rave reviews, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. They didn't want to use him in that capacity. But uh, he, he really excels in that role. He just has a, a real good understated style about him, and he, he doesn't try to put himself over ever, um, which, which I think um, is very hard to do when you're that, you know, it's very tempting when you're that other guy in the chair um, playing off of the play-by-play guy, especially when you are a wrestler, which they very often are. Yeah. Oh, that's. I think that's the aspect too. Is that he's a wrestler and doesn't take over the broadcast, where a yeah. lot of wrestlers do, and they try to get themselves over. Cold is yeah. fine just being like a guy. Yeah, you know, tries to get I mean, himself he's, over. Yeah, he's just fine being the color commentator to Ian and 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 filling in the gaps where Ian. And that's you know, wrestlers don't do that very often. They're always looking for that next payday, the way to get themselves over the most, and he doesn't, which is is remarkable because. You know, he, he would have all reason to do that, but he doesn't. So, you know, Ian's got the classic announcer voice. And I think with Ian, it, it's like I like him a lot. And, and I, again, I think they're the best team around. But I think Ian, I think sometimes he's trying to be like Bob Cottle or he's trying to be like, uh, you know, guys he grew up hearing. And I think as time passes, eventually he'll find he'll slide into a niche and just be himself and form his own Mm -hmm. style and be a guy that, you know, there's a 12 year old somewhere listening to him right now who will pattern themselves after Ian Riccoboni instead of Ian Riccoboni trying to be Lance Russell or Bob Caudill or, you know, whoever, uh, you know, he, 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 that's how he comes off to me. He doesn't come off like trying to be Joey Styles. He doesn't come off to me like he's trying to be, uh, he doesn't come off like he's influenced by WWE, like Michael Cole. He looks like he, he, he he's sort of on that same – it seems like he's influenced by the old Mid-Atlantic guys or the old WCW guys more than what he grew up with, which is a little strange. And that's not necessarily a critique, but um, I don't even know really what I'm trying to say. But that that's how he comes off to me. No, I'm kind of with you on that. I think one of the things that I always notice with him is – he, he's always and again it's like a minor criticism overall i really enjoy him but he's, yeah, he's he good. tries to get like a one-liner and to me he he reminds me more of like sports casters like you know a, 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 even like a brad nestler type or a kevin harlan yeah. they have yeah. like a call you know what i mean like yeah. marv albert's got uh, you know a few calls that you were like oh and that's a big moment you know kevin harlan bangs out the you know the the, the you know uh you know, marv albert with the yes you know what i mean like just the little things that these guys have or like you know kevin harlan the unbelievable or like you know like these little things and he he tries like he hasn't quite found it yet but he tries to throw those little one-liners in yeah. every so often to try to get you know people invested in it and, and i get it like that so i think it's a little bit more of as you said maybe the mid-atlantic background he comes from you can tell he comes from the sports broadcasting background and that's mm-hmm. similar to those mid Atlantic guys, or like a, even yeah. like a Lance Russell type, or whatever, where where those guys kind of come from the real news or, or real sports broadcast. So they're not like mimicking 
wrestling announcers they're mimicking sports announcers and i think that's where he comes in as you said very regimented you know that syracuse sports announcer guy or whatever like you know and <laughs> random dude you're watching on like a, a bowl game like you turn on a bowl game tonight and 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 jason benetti or whatever is going to drop a few like you know yeah it, it, it's somewhere that which isn't bad it's, it's fine but yeah it, it, at times you kind of you know you notice it, it. He's quickly becoming the voice of the company, too. You almost associate Ring of Honor with him now. Yeah. It, it's starting to get to that point. You know, he was laying in the weeds for a long time when Kevin Kelly was there, you know, doing Women of Honor Mondays and doing, you know, uh, you know the, the Internet stuff. And he was the backup guy, you know. And, um, you know, Kelly moved on and I guess stuck around a little bit as a part-timer. Wasn't that what the deal was? And, and now he's pretty much just full-time with the New Japan English side. And this is... It's Ian's deal. It's it's his company now. He's the lead announcer for Ring of Honor now, and you're starting to associate it with him. And I think Colt is a great partner. I don't like when they add a third chair. Um, they like to rotate in that third chair, whether it's Mandy Leone during the women's oh. matches or Caprice Coleman. <laughs> um, Mandy. And, Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she's office. What are you going to do? You know, yeah. she's going to, you know. But, you know, it, it, to me, that drags down the booth. I like Ian and Colt. I think they're good. I think they're the best team in wrestling right now, and I don't like when they try to shoehorn someone else in there. But, uh, but that's your uh, look. I thought Final Battle was a uh, was a very good show, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm actually looking forward to the tapings. But I, I do agree that they maybe you know we didn't get a big angle, and and maybe they they should have done a big angle or two. Now, give them credit. We talk about um, you know PCO and and. Um, and Brody King, they've also signed uh, Bandito, which is a huge get. That's a huge one, yeah. And they bring in Mark Haskins. So, look, they're fighting back. All of these promotions, it's wild times. I've been doing updates on the pay side. I'll have another one coming this weekend with contract season and all of the inside details, sort of a roundup of all the signings that are – because it's crazy. Every time you turn around, someone's getting signed somewhere. WWN is locking guys up. But – Ring of Honor at least is punching back. And, you know, you bring in PCO and Brody King and Mark Haskins and Bandito. Look, they're trying. And I got to give them credit for, you know, maybe they were slow on the draw, which we already, you know, criticized them for last week and over the last two years, really. But at least they're going out there and they're they're part of the game now and they're outbidding people for the talent that they want and they're they're bringing in the best possible talent that they can. That's floating around out there as uh, free agent talent. So, I think those four names plus you know whoever else they decide to bring in, it'll and, and with the elite being out, it's it's going to be a new look uh, in Ring of Honor. And it, 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 it's strange as we talked about Noah at the top of the show, and it's going to look a little different going into 2019. I think Ring of Honor is in the same boat. You know, it's going to be a new look Ring of Honor. And it'll be an interesting company to watch in the first quarter of the year to see if they're worth your time uh, through the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. I think one of the criticisms, as you mentioned, too, they didn't really sell you to the TV. Okay, like I watched Final Battle and I was like, good. All right. My my palate is cleansed of Ring of Honor, but it's not like I'm dying to see what happens on the first week of of ROH. And that's you want to leave a pay-per-view. And that's where maybe the PCO and maybe a little bit of Brody King or maybe something happening at the end would have been like, okay, cool. Well, now I need to check out the next week of Ring of Honor. I guess you had the, the stare down between Lethal and Scroll and, and and a few other guys. But, like, is that enough to really get you to the TV? I don't know necessarily. So, yeah, I, that, that'd be my one criticism. But it's nice to see that they're, they're showing some life. And as I said, it might be 
in some ways a blessing in disguise. Like it's gonna be rough. There's gonna be some rough go without these elite guys, but it might be a because it might have kind of rejiggered them a little bit. It may have kind of woken them up from their slumber. Ring of Honor. We're seeing that already. They're being more aggressive. They're signing guys. They're uh, Zach Saber Jr. is a great you know get as well. Uh, there's been reports as well that Will Ospreay. They're trying to get him in a little bit more as well. So they're they're waking up a little bit and realizing okay, if we want to really weather this storm and 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 obviously fight you know, back to, from WWE signing people from, from this all elite thing or whatever's going to happen here that we're going to have to get up off our ass and, and, and be aggressive too. So it's cool to see that because that feels like the ring of honor of old when they had been very complacent over the last, you know, three, four years or whatever. So yeah, cool to see. And, uh, yeah, there's Tracy Williams. who we always forget to bring up and right, right, right. And, not, and he's got I'm a niche. He's got a good niche. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if they're going to, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them. And, and yeah, if, if you can get some dates on Zack Sabre Jr. And Juice Robinson and Willow spray, you fucking do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 it looks like that those three guys are going to get it. So, you're talking about eight to ten new faces now who are going to be, you know, in the mix next year. And and it'll 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 you know, and, and then you got Cobb who who's hot coming off of this show. He's your new champion, regular TV champion, anyway. So you know, the, the, it's like Jay Lethal is what feels stale at this point, and he's your world champ. And I don't know that a Jay Lethal Matt Taven program is going to do much for me at the top. I think, I, you know, you know, for for whatever length of time, look, they know how long they have Marty Skrull. Why not just do a story arc and put the fucking title on him while you have him, and then get it off of him when it, before his contract's up? Right. I mean, because would you agree that he's the most popular wrestler on the roster and probably the biggest draw? Oh, it's not even close. I mean, I, I was stunned. And, and and maybe I don't have the great representation until I went to that show. I went to a Rihanna show, and he came out, and it was the biggest fucking thing, man. People yeah. went nuts, and I looked in the crowd. And I'm like, my God, half this crowd's got villain shirts on. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, when did this happen? And, and yeah, he was so over in that show. And, and there was kids, and there was women, and everybody was screaming for him. And I'm like, dude, yeah, this is the guy. Like, this is the guy to definitely do. So, yeah, I think it, it, it'd be smart by WrestleMania weekend to figure out a plan to get the title out of him, I think. If, if, if you got him, and he is so far and away your biggest star that you have currently and 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 it's got the biggest cachet to non-ring of honor fans as well so i think that's good he's got a little bit of lineage to the elite guys as well of course so that helps to maybe not lose all of those fans if you push marty yeah you know because you're worried you're worried about like yeah you learned about you know where the elite fans but if you say hey marty scroll yeah hey hey, we got we got one guy you know we still have him or flip even to an extent kind of still has a little bit of that life to him but marty in 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 particular is like hey uh yeah he's part of the elite right kind of sort of yeah all right like and i think that's kind of what they're trying to do a little bit by pushing him as 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 quick as they can which is the best idea so hopefully they do keep going forward with that there's a million reasons to put the title on marty scroll right now i mean for that, that that's and that might be the best one you know to at least hold off on lo- potentially losing those elite fans because yeah. one of their guys is still there. Push them to the moon, put the title on them, and um, you know, and, and go with it. Because Jay Lethal, I mean, there's just he felt very cold coming out of the show. So I'd put it on Skrull, and then I would evaluate from there. Okay, who's the guy that's going to knock off Skrull before he, you know, moonwalks into whatever Khan is doing? Is it going to be Jeff Cobb? Is it going to be, uh, you know, whoever? I don't know. Um, whoever gets hot, um, but then you figure that out, you know, while Marty's going through, you know, this title run. That that's how I would play it. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm with you on that too. So, either way, Ring of Honor, exciting again. So that's good. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll continue talking about it a little bit more. But uh, that was Ring of Honor final battle there, uh, Joe. Let's get into um, a little low on time here. I think. I'm thinking we might be in overrun territory for the Wrestling Observer stuff. What do you say about that? 
Well, we got a decision to make here. Um, we've got, let's see what we got left. We've got some New Japan stuff and it's Cork and Hall shows. And then we've got the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame stuff. And we've got about a half hour left. What do you think we should push as we have an on-air meeting here? <laughs> I think since we did the Observer stuff on the uh, on Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling, it might be a decent idea to push that over to the overrun. So, I would, um, let's see. Now, I would argue that the Observer Hall of Fame stuff is somewhat of a hot topic okay. that might draw okay, some eye to the show. So, well, draw some buys, we put it on the pay side, but draw some attention to the flagship. Talk a lot of New Japan on this show. That's true. I, you want to, okay, well, real quickly, here's do, my New Japan let's thing. Let's do the Hall of Fame stuff. I'm going to do my New Japan then, stuff in like 10 seconds. Uh, Shingo, okay. Shingo Shota Aminu, watch it, it rocks. That match fucking ruled. Okada, Gato, oh, Shingo, Shota, Memphis Aminu, yeah, Heat. Yeah. yeah, Okada, Gato, Memphis Heat. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that one. Uh, and then Lovers, uh, Tanahashi Osprey, I gave five stars too. I know you didn't like it nearly as much, but that match fucking rocks, and you should go out of your way to watch it. So, Well, um, I, guess we're, <laughs> I, I, guess we're, I guess we're cramming it all in then. Okay, uh, yeah, I agree <laughs> that Shingo Shota Aminu was awesome. Uh, Shingo Shingo's singles debut was a fucking home run. Uh, that guy is a single star, and I really hope to God they don't waste him away in a tag team with Bushi uh, for the rest of the year because that this would be was Shingo. Issue. This was Dragon Gate Shingo. He's, this is what yeah, we need he, more of. Yeah, um, yeah. And as for the main event tag, uh, the second night, look, I thought it was an incredible spectacle of a match. I thought that I did not think it was five stars. I do not, it will not make my top 10 for the year or anything like that. But I thought it was a great match in that it was like you were watching stars and it felt like you were watching stars and it felt special and it had moments and it was a great match. I mean, I went four and a half on the fucking thing. Okay. So it's not like, but it's like, here's the thing about it though. Hiroshi Tanahashi was a ghost. You didn't even need like you didn't even need him to be involved in that. Like he may as well have not even been there. It may as well. well have I don't been think a he was. I don't think he was. I'm not sure that he was. I cannot confirm that Hiroshi Tanahashi was actually there at any point. So I, this was just another Willow Spray show, from his selling to his interactions with Ibushi, to you know just working his fucking ass off. And let me tell you, this man is getting pushed to the moon in 2019. Oh, he's a fucking I mean, star in this match. And the, and the the, the, the point of this match was to make Will Ospreay a star. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Okada went out there, or, or, or Omega went out there doing it, Obushi went out there doing it. The goal of this match was let's make this guy a fucking star, because he was such a star at the end of this thing. Yeah, and it, it's, it, it seems clear to me that um, he's moving up, and, um, and, and, and will probably get a push this year, and I think that's the right call. I, I think he can be a single star, um, a top-of-the-card single star. I think he can be. And, and, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But because he's, he delivers in all of these spots where it's designed for him to shine, we'll see what happens in the dome with, with Ibushi. But, yeah, just a, it, it, was a, it was a special – the match felt like it was special. It did. Um, and and I, I don't necessarily know Here, – here's, here's what it did, though, Rich. To me, it got me hyped for a match that isn't booked. I want to see Osprey versus Omega. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem with this match and, and, and the one criticism I mentioned in the review I did for uh, voicewrestling.com is that it made me, I wasn't any more hyped for Omega Tanahashi. I was maybe no. slightly more hyped for uh, uh, Osprey and, 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 and Ibushi, 
but I'm fucking hyped out of my mind for Osprey versus Omega. And I'm yeah. not getting that. And I'm hyped for Will Osprey to make his run in the G1. And that's going to be a little while until that happens. So I'm like, ah, you know, that's the one criticism I'll give is that it it maybe didn't do its job necessarily. It, it did its job in terms of being like an awesome match to cap off their year, but didn't necessarily do that job to make me be like, all right, now I'm ready for Omega Tanahashi. Like I am no more ready than I was prior to the match. So one little criticism of that. So. No, there were two matches here to, to hype up, and they hyped up one that isn't happening. <laughs> right. I mean, that really, I came out of it more excited for Osprey Omega than anything else. Um, it'll be real disappointing if they don't push him next year. And he, 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 he I mean, because it feels like they're going to. It's going to feel like a real dick tease if, like, by new beginning, you know, he's challenging Ishimori for the junior title or something. You know, that's going to be. Uh, it's going to feel like a massive letdown now because he's been coming off like such a potential future heavyweight star, you know, with these last two matches that he's had and really going back before that too. But, um, but yeah, it's it just, the match felt special. So um, yeah, those are the two Corkin shows. I thought on the whole, they were really fun to watch. Like they always are. And um, you know, obviously that main event tag is going to be a match that people are going to remember for a long time because you're not alone. That's going to be, a match that a lot of people have near the top. Of yeah, their, and it uh, comes at the perfect list. time too, like because people are going to be doing their lists in like two or three and weeks or whatever, and it's right there. Yeah, so. All right, there we go. That's the New Japan side. So we're good. <laughs> also, really quickly, I do want to mention, uh, we didn't get a chance. We put it on our, our notes. Uh, the Super J-Cast, uh, the New Japan-centric uh, podcast on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, uh, have a really good episode this week. They uh, did their own award season. I think there were some interesting results uh, as well. We're going to try to get to it, but unfortunately, we ran out of time. Uh, but this last episode that they did, definitely want to check that out, the Super J-Cast, uh, and check out the awards episode that they did last week because I think there's some really interesting, revealing uh, results of that, you know, wrestler of the year, match of the year, all other good stuff. So just wanted to mention that. So super JKS, check it out. All right. You want to do observer hall of fame? We can go a little over. We'll let the, we'll let the fine folks at, uh, at audio boom. We'll, we'll ask them nicely if we can go over for this week. I think, it's Christmas. I think we, you know, it's crazy. I think we can get it in a half hour. I think we can yeah, do let's, it. Let's see. All right. So wrestling observer hall of fame. The issue has finally been released. We have seven new entrants into the wrestling observer hall of fame. We have LA park, Jerry Jarrett, Jimmy Hart, Bill After, Howard Finkel, Gary Hart, and Yuji Nagata. Joe, those seven, uh, anybody jump out at you? Ever any surprise or just about what you thought the list would be? No, this is um, this is a solid field. I don't have major gripes with this. I have a couple of minor gripes. I have no major gripes. Uh, my one minor gripe is I don't understand how anyone could vote for Yuji Nagata and not vote for Jun Akiyama because I think that they are very similar candidates and I think Jun Akiyama is better in every single way. So I don't have a problem if you voted for both guys. I don't have a problem with Yuji Nagata and I don't have a problem with people voting for him and I don't have a problem with him getting in, even though I didn't vote for him and I never would. It, it's I don't have some kind of egregious Hall of Famer that ruins the sanctity of the fucking whole deal. I'm fine with it. What I have a problem with is if you voted for him and didn't vote for Akiyama, I would love an explanation for that. Mm -hmm. Because by any measure, they're contemporaries of each other. They um, were – they're very similar in in every respect except I think that Akiyama is better in every way. I thought he was a bigger star. I thought he was a better draw. 
Uh, I thought he's, I think he's a better wrestler. I think he had, uh, you know, even these are also two guys who have incredible longevity. And I think Junakiyama is a little bit better than Yuji Nagata on uh, in the twilights of their careers. I just oh, I think- mean, yeah, no, 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 he absolutely is because Akiyama peaked way before and it's still going, you know and what I mean? And, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and Nagata is, you know, I, I still enjoy Nagata from time to time, but you can argue his last two years have been really down where Akiyama's having still really good matches. And, and Akiyama had, what, a 10-year head start on him? I mean, yeah, it, it's it's unquestioned who the better candidate is between those two. It's not even close, especially on longevity. Yeah, and Nagata still ramps it up from time to time. But, I mean, you know, it's like I'm way more confident in 2018 Junakiyama having a great match than I am in 2018 Yuji Nagata. Not to say that they both can't. So I just I just think even the things that Yuji Nagata has excelled at, like longevity and everything else, it's like I think Junakiyama is just better in every way. So I don't want to make this about Junakiyama. He didn't get in. But that's like one minor gripe that I have. And the other gripe that I have, Rich, is I think – and this is why I always preach – I always preach stay in your lane because when you look at the math, people who should not be voting for Mexico very clearly voted for L.A. Park Mm -hmm. and they fucked everybody else in the category because there has never been a year to my knowledge where Mexico had more total voters than Japan. All of a sudden, Mexico this year has more total voters than Japan. And it's because people parachuted into Mexico to vote for L.A. Park. And because of that, okay, it kept at least three Mexican candidates out and it got two bumped from the ballot. Because if you don't have all of those people parachuting in to vote for L.A. Park, Park gets in anyway because he got 74% of the vote. Okay? And then you could argue that there's three other Mexican um, candidates that would have gotten in because they were close enough to where if you eliminate all those artificial park voters that they make it. Okay. And blue Panther and CN Karras, CN Karras had had a uh, 49% of the vote. He needed 50 to stay alive. Rich, if you eliminate those park voters, he's over 50. Now he's bumped from the ballot and, and you can't vote on him next year. And blue Panther was close enough to where he wouldn't have fallen off the ballot. It just bothers me because I really wish it's like, okay, I get it. You want to vote for LA park because you think he's all a famer and he had this big year this year and all that. Right. Which is and, very justifiable, but, but you got to know the region. <laughs> you can't just if jump you don't in know yeah. the rest of the region. What you're doing is okay. You're screwed by vo- ticking his box. You're bringing down everybody else's percentage. And this was finally the year where we were going to get a big breakthrough with the Mexico logjam. Because when you look at the voting percentages, uh, the Misioneros de la Muerte, okay, 57%. They were only six votes shy or something of getting in. So you take away those six no votes, just six of them, from people who just parachuted in to vote for Park and didn't bother with the rest of the category, and they're in. And you look at Ultimo Guerrero. He was sitting maybe, what, 10 votes shy. And Viano 3, same thing. He had 98 votes at 55%. Rich, those three are probably getting in if, you know, Joe Blow, who knows nothing about Lucha, didn't run to his ballot to vote for L.A. Park, who, who ultimately would have gotten in anyway. And it bothers me. And it's yeah. why I don't vote Mexico. 
Yeah, exactly. Because Same thing. We, we talk about all the time. People yeah. say, well, you know that guy's a Hall of Famer, but yeah, I don't know if the missionaries of death are, so I don't want to vote in that region because I'm not going to... I, I Maybe I should have the opportunity and the time and all that sort of stuff. Maybe one day I will to be able to research those guys a little bit more, but I don't, so I'm not going to be able just to jump in there and say, well, Park deserves it, so I'll put him in there because I don't know what the missionaries of death and if they were worth it or if, if Sincaris was worth it and all those sort of guys, so I don't want to drag everybody else down by voting for those ones, so that's why I stay out of that region, even if yeah, I, I think you're completely i'm fine with la park being a hall of famer i think he's a great pick for the hall of fame i think this year was no doubt that he was a hall of famer but i wasn't going to be the one that was going to vote him in because i I just don't know enough of the region so the people that know the region i was going to let them sort of take the charge there and 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 they did but they also yeah a lot of the other basically if the same people who voted last year voted this year we would have had four yeah inductees from mexico and cian caris definitely would have stayed on the ballot because he was at 49 percent Okay, he only needed one more vote or one less no vote, and he would have been at 50 and stayed on. Blue Panther, I don't know. He came in at 38%. It would have been close. I don't know if he would have gotten the 50. But I can definitively say that Cian Caris wouldn't have fallen off the ballot. And, well, we- and, and next year, it really loosens up because you've got seven people going in. You've got 15 people that, that fell off, and you got 12 people coming on. Next year is a great opportunity for people who are close to get in. So people voting for L.A. Park who don't know what they're talking about may have cost Cian Caris ultimately from getting in because he may have gone in next year because he would have been damn close. He would have been over 50 this year on a weak ballot next year. And that should piss people off. I'm not big on telling other people how to vote. Okay, I'm not big on that. Everyone's opinion is just as valid as mine and in most cases more valid. Okay, but stay in your lane is all that I ask. Don't vote on shit that you don't think you're, that you don't know what you're talking about. Dave Meltzer himself doesn't vote on every category, and it's his Hall of Fame. If you can't take that lead, then I don't. I don't know. Okay, just just mind your own business with categories that you don't know what you're doing, and and we would avoid a lot of these problems. I don't know, Rich. It really it really annoyed me when I looked at the math. Yeah, no, it does. And and the math. I mean, just to kind of give you, we have exact stats of this too, because uh, Corey Gibson, who uh, who jumps into our emails every so often uh, with some great data, he's an archivist and and statistician. Great like researcher. He, yeah, essentially great just research. randomly sends the stuff. He, he randomly sends uh, my uh, NBA history podcast, the Over and Back uh, Classic NBA podcast on Fansided. He sends us random stuff all the time too. But yeah, he he dropped in with some stuff. Always does a great job of this. Uh, Joe, you asked, you know, what was a, a year where there was more voters in Mexico than Japan? Uh, it happened in two thousand eight. And it happened in 2011. The 2011 was 118 to 117. So it was only one vote. This year, though, 178 Mexico voters, 168 Japan voters. Now, Joe, just going to give you an idea of how big that rise is. Here's kind of the the ebbs and the flows of all the different voters. So this year, 39 less voters in the modern U.S. and Canada region. So that's uh, the total was 288, and that's the lowest since 2012. But that makes sense. We've talked about that region not having a ton of guys to really vote for. Or maybe you don't really like anybody on there, so you wouldn't vote there. Uh, four less votes in the historical U.S. and Canada, the lowest since 2015. So not a huge deal there, just four less people. Uh, historical Canada. Japan lost 27 voters from last year. That's the lowest market's had in two years. Mexico rose 23 voters, and that is the highest ever. This year was the highest voter count ever for Mexico. Yeah, because they've ever had. In, it's the, very obvious they voted for right. they, people coming in vote for Park. Mm-hmm. And they. Think I thought this was twenty-two. And, and really quickly. Thing. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Go, well, yeah, they think they're doing a good thing when they're doing that, but they're doing a bad thing. It's right. it's a bad thing that you're doing when you come in and into a category and just vote for one guy like that, as proven by these numbers. 
Oh, right, you got the guy in. The guy came in, but you also, in 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 a lot of ways, guys that probably deserve it just as much now are not in because you just you you didn't do the time or you didn't do the research or or you don't know the region, <laughs> which is you know yeah. I there's guys in Europe that people tell me all the time, oh that guy's a hall of famer, and I, I believe that they are, but I'm not voting Europe because I don't know that rollerball or Rocco or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I I don't know that, so I don't put I don't in a timer to vote. So. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't necessarily have the time to do that. But uh, speaking of Europe, I love this. Had the exact same number of voters this year and last year, 195. So that's the yeah. exact same people came there. So Mexico up 23. Everyone else lost. Mexico, the highest voting percentage it has ever had. A few fun little tidbits here. Uh, guys that made the biggest rises this last year. Uh, L.A. Park uh, up 27% to get in. Uh, Jerry Jarrett up 23% to get in. Akira Tawe makes a late charge to 18%, not enough to get him in. Uh, Jimmy Hart moves up 17%. That gets him in. Junkyard Dog also moves up 17%. He is still uh, on the outside looking in at 48%. Uh, Bill Apter, uh, 16%. He makes a rise there. Uh, thoughts on Bill Apter getting in? I know he's been kind of one that we've had uh, discussions about from time to time. He's not a guy that I necessarily am going to argue to death with. I don't know that I necessarily 100% buy it with him, but... I, you know, I, I'm weird about getting after in there and not getting Stanley Weston in there. So that's my one issue with after. But uh, otherwise, I, I don't know that I would hate it. I think it's not the worst thing in the world that he's in there. But he's a guy that that I could listen to arguments for for, for both sides. I have no problem with Bill Apter. I'm not a Bill Apter voter, but I have no problem. It, it, of the people who got in, the one I have the biggest problem with is Yuji Nagata. And I don't even have a problem with it. But if you, you're making me pick someone, Yuji Nagata, I think, is the worst one. Uh, my my uh, my campaigning for Finkel finally worked. He went up twelve percent, and he got in. Yuji uh, Nagata up ten percent uh, to get in as well. We mentioned Akiyama. I should mention him uh, again here. Eight percent rise to get to fifty five percent. So he was very close this year, very very close, uh, but yeah. still on the outside looking in. But I'm with you. You cannot vote for Yuji Nagata and not vote for Junakiyama. There's just like it, it's indefensible to have that stance on any way. You can vote for both, which is fine, and I have done that. But you cannot yeah. vote for one or the other. That's just yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You gotta vote for you vote for both, or you can't vote for Nagata. It's just I can't see it. Josh, sure, I know we, you're gonna love this. Oh, sorry, one sec. I, I need I need to get this out of the way now while you're fired up and, and stuff. Uh, up seven percent to get to twenty percent of the vote. Trish Stratus. Oh God, you know I haven't looked down ballot. Um, and there's this whole thing like um, I, I know you you you're aware of this, but there's this whole thing in like baseball MVP voting where. It's like everyone's like, don't complain down ballot. Don't pay attention to the guy who got one tenth place vote. You know no, what I but mean? That's the like, best. It's 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 so great it's to like, laugh at JT Snow getting like one first place vote. And you're like, oh, for like on. the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but it's like. <laughs> so I I don't want to be the guy that complains down ballot, but I mean the Trish Stratus thing. I mean, give me a fucking break. I mean, give me come on. I just don't fucking. <sighs> it just, but but a couple other things. Number one, I want to give credit to the Hawk, uh, Jeff Hawkins of Shake Them Ropes. He predicted a run of non-wrestlers getting in this year, and he was right. Uh, we had, uh, what was it, five? Yeah, we had uh, Jerry Jarrett, uh, Jimmy Hart, Bill Apter, and Howard Finkel. Yeah, oh, and Gary Hart, Gary too. Hart. Yeah, throw Gary Hart in there as well. So Sorry, I'm mixing the hearts up. So, yeah, huge run Reading, of those guys. Let me ask you as a voter, when you read Dave's bios, do you ever find yourself going, fuck, I blew it with this guy? In terms of not voting him in? Or, 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 or voting either way. Him? Um. Sometimes I think a lot of times it depends how he because this like the Finkel bio he kind of put Finkel down a lot during it when I'm reading it I'm like yeah maybe Finkel wasn't the best pick but I, I think he was I think I, I don't know that I yeah I don't know that always there's there's some guys that like I usually the way I think is oh my god I should have voted this guy he probably is I think is probably the number one thought I have I think I very rarely go oh shit I really fucked up by voting this guy in or whatever or, or voting for that guy so I don't know I I, I tend to 
think that, oh, wow, I should have voted for X or whatever. Um, I, I, those, but. I read one this year and I thought to myself, I, I should have been voting for this guy. Howard and, Finkel? No, Gary Hart. <laughs> no, Gary Hart for sure, yeah. I read the Gary Hart bio and I was like, holy shit, did I fucking miss the boat disregarding this dude? Um, but, but at the same time, it's Dave's job in those bios to talk people up. You're right, not exactly. going to write a Hall of Fame bio He's for not someone. Say, oh, boy. Well, you guys really blew it. This guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So it's like, you know, so that that's the tricky part, too. But, you know, reading through Gary Hart's career, like a lot of the stuff that wasn't front and center for me, like the Australia part of his career and, and things like that, where it's like, yeah, this guy had a much better career than I thought he had. Um, and I think that and this is the tricky thing whenever you vote for this stuff and we all have to fight it it's the Gary Hart stuff that just sticks out in my mind is the late 80s WCW stuff where he was on the downside of his career both physically as Dave pointed out like he couldn't bump anymore after the airplane crash so he would get beat up by baby faces but he couldn't physically sell you know what I mean so it's like you think he's being a dick but the dude just couldn't bump. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't. His back was killing him. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's like, and 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 my first memories of of Gary Hart before, when I was a kid were watching him manage in WCW, Great Muda, and, and you know '89, you know, and it's like, and, and the and the world class stuff on ESPN that you know after school, but it's like. And that naturally, and that just comes front and center when you're thinking about, and you, you know, it's like reading his bio. I don't know. He, I feel like he's one that I've been whiffing on, but now he's in. One, one point I wanted to bring up is I think all of us may have overreacted to the idea that modern New Japan wrestlers are just going to moonwalk in mm-hmm. based on what happened with Nakamura, because as we've seen with Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito and Kota Bushi, who just gets no traction. Okay, he's in the teens, and 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 ten Koji to some extent, but I I don't count them because I no, don't count Nagata as part of this either. That's, they're, they're their terrible. careers peaked earlier. Yeah. Um, and the Nagata is another one who I don't consider a part. But the modern New Japan star, two thousand, anyone who peaked after two thousand twelve, it's it's. I think we may have all overreacted when not got in because as we've seen, the three that have followed up have not gotten have not just moonwalked in. I think right, we just right. have to chalk up Nakamura. To it was a bad. It just it, it was one of those things. It was a, people got caught epic. up in the hype or something. Yeah, it was at yeah. the perfect time, and everybody got caught up in the hype or whatever. Because Omega would have been like a guy that everybody was worried about. I was worried too. I was like, oh Jesus, here we go. Delete Twitter for the day because this is going to get bad. Yeah. He had forty nine percent, which I think is a very respectable number for him to have on the first way out. Um, a guy like a Tetsuya Naito. I mean, he was you know made a slight rise this year, but still nowhere near. I think he was at what forty twenty one percent. Sorry, twenty one percent. For him up for six up from 16 so he's gaining a little bit of steam he's he's not quite there and then as you mentioned kotobuchi a guy who yeah he he's, he was at 13 last year and he's at 16 this year so he's in no threat to get in uh whatsoever okada is coming up this year and i think he might make it in on the first ballot no, which is Okada's probably okay not yeah which he's is co- not a, not not this year he's coming up in 2021 is that true okay okay he is coming in uh ooh, okay i thought they said he was coming up dave must have changed that i think he mentioned he listed on my list we talked Hold about on. this last year. Remember? Yeah, we did. Hold he's on. not on the list ahead. now. He's not on the list right now. And I think Dave said it on audio too. I think he maybe fucked up and didn't add him to the list here because I think he is. Mm, I I I think he wrote in the in the uh, Observer. He had a list of people coming up over the next few years, 
and Okada's 2021. I mean, we could do the math ourselves. It's 35. No, no, it makes sense. But he mentioned something about him. I swear to God, we talked about it earlier this year that he was coming up on the list. But either way, whatever. Here he says, uh, here, I'll read it to you. He's got a couple other names too. He said, Okada in 2021 is the obvious top candidate among those not on the ballot. And it's kind of implausible. He doesn't get in. Look, he's getting in instantly. Oh, for sure. By that point too. He's going to get at least 80% vote. And then uh, others of the next generation that will at least likely be on the ballot would include Roosh in 2024. So that's a ways off. Uh, Seth Rollins in 2021 and Roman Reigns in 2021. So Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Okada will all be on the ballot in 2021. Those are the three that he mentioned specifically. Um, the list for next year, there's actually a ton of people going on. Yeah, I got I got that list here real quick. Okay. If you want, added to the ballot next year, uh, Jose Lothario, Dick Slater, uh, Morris Siegel, Bob Cottle, Matt and Jeff Hardy, the Valiant Brothers, George Kidd, Tomohiro Ishii, James Melby, Stephanie McMahon, Volador Jr., and the Grand Wizard. So I look at that list, and just going off first instinct, okay, and this is, with, in, in the case of some of these people, no research. So this is just my gut. Jose Lothario is a no. Dick Slater is a hard no. Morris Siegel I don't know enough about. I'm not going to give an answer. Bob Cottle would be a hard no. Matt and Jeff Hardy is... It's a no I think for they, me. I think I think they have a pretty decent case. I would. I, I, I will listen to a case, yeah. but I. But my my gut though for me is a no. Is it a yes for you? Your gut? I don't think the gut is immediately a yes, but it's a. I'm gonna definitely think about it and and, and do a little bit of digging onto it. But I think they have a better case than than maybe most. This is another case where I had another thing too, where I wonder if like separately they would almost do a little bit better. I mean, I think there's there's definitely a case to be made, but but if we're just talking about the tag team of them then maybe not as strong. But if we're thinking of these two guys, the tag team and their singles careers, then yes. But that's always kind of the weird caveat of these tag teams. But uh, Valiant Brothers, uh, my gut tells me no, but I'm willing to listen on them. George Kidd, I know nothing about. Um, Tomohiro Ishii. What's interesting about Ishii is, for me, it's a no. Here's the thing about Ishii, though. There is a solid argument He's the best wrestler this decade. Yeah, just as a worker, you could make that. Can you leave someone out who's the best wrestler of the decade? Now, that's under the assumption you think he's the best wrestler of the decade, of course, because that's not like any kind of open and shut case. But there's a decent case he's the best wrestler of the decade. So, But still, I would have to say no, because he's never been anything close to any kind of drawing star. And the first two-thirds of his career were just – he was an undercard guy. Yeah, right, right. Um. James Melby, I don't know enough about. Stephanie McMahon, I have – what's what's the angle there? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I, trying the, not to be funny. The angle like, is she's been around for a very long time is, I guess, the angle. I it's mean, she's the brand. Television star for she 20 does branding, years. Yeah. Right. She helping to grow profits. Um, as a television performer, she was pretty good. People think she's great as a television performer now. I find her 